G.I. Joe against Cobra the Enemy, fighting to save the day. He never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe! Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 12, Spawn of a Glitch. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm Chuck. And uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, luckily, this time it wasn't so long since we recorded again. Yeah, we're kind of back on schedule here, so that's nice. Yeah, and we're actually looking to probably do another recording probably within about a week or so, so that shouldn't be too bad then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of recordings, uh, you and I have been kind of talking about maybe formats that are coming up. and Kind of planning everything out for the end of the year. Yeah, I think we have... Things kind of figured out up through January, like at least that part away. Yeah. yeah, first month of January or first month of January, first, first part of, of January. <laughs> the, the, the first month. But we got everything planned until January. Yeah. So basically, we're looking at maybe two episodes a month. Right. Maybe throw in a special here and there, uh, but sticking to the you know every couple of weeks format that we kind of got away from for a while. But yeah, well, and also, back on track. Not only that, but one of the things that you and I were talking about is now that we're doing these stripped-down format reviews more time. Of, the, of the issues, we have yeah. a lot more time. Definitely. So we're actually able to fit all these all these issues in one episode each month. So maybe the other episodes each month are going to actually be like spotlight-ish episodes like we did with Masters of the Universe. Or like a suck episode. Or, or a suck Revenge episode. Or a... Or a commentary, movie commentary. Movie commentary. Yeah, we got a lot of like uh, that, so. positive feedback from the suck episodes and the movie commentaries. Yeah, those are the ones people download like crazy are the suck episodes. I don't know if they're just fooled because they see suck and they're like, yeah. well, this is going to be good. Should change the new episode <laughs> to blowjobs or something. And people will download show. What? Blowjobs? Really? Let's just really? listen to that. Well, yeah, listen to this one. It's porn. Yeah, the next one. <laughs> anal sex. Really? All right. Go with it. Uh, but I like this one with Son of a Glitch. Uh, I was mentioning before the show started. Yeah, it's it, good. It came from a Last Stand of the Wreckers issue that we're going to be covering those today. They said Son of uh, or Spawn of a Glitch, and I was for like a split second, I was like, "Huh?" And then I was like, "Oh, they're saying Son of a Bitch in the comic." Yeah, yeah. And they're just sneaking it in there, yeah, yeah. so it was kind of cool. It's Cybertronian. Yeah. So, uh, what have you been up to? Well. We've uh, got the old Halloween decorations up on the house, so that's nice. Nice. Um, I've done none of that. It's it's all right. I, I try got, to scare little kids away. I got kids. I got to decorate <laughs> for Halloween, so right. it's uh, I got that going on. Actually, little shout out here: my babysitter, mm-hmm. uh, who watches my kids uh, for me and my wife. Right. Uh, she I hope actually she has your a, kids. <laughs> she actually has a birthday tomorrow, so happy birthday, babysitter lady. Okay. Very nice. 21, guys. I, I got that coming up a little over a week ago myself. Yeah, uh, birthday yeah. coming up. Like, Happy birthday. You're not going to be 21. I'm not going to be 20. I'd like to be 21 again. Well, my babysitter will be 21. <laughs> so. Well, maybe her and I can talk. Well, I guess <laughs> legally, yeah. Now you can buy her a drink. So, um, happy birthday. But yeah, so uh, she's going to be happy 20- birthday to you. Yes, thank you. Uh, so she's going to be 21. I'm going to be 40, 40, right? I'm going to be... No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be 35 again, which is close enough. I know, right? That's how I said when I got there. Fuck! I swear the the birthday I had the hardest time with wasn't turning 30; it was turning 29. 29 because you it was, was right there. It was the last 20, 20. birthday that I was. Well, when I have, turned so. 30, I, I I told everybody I'm 2010. Nice. <laughs> so I just went with that. Um, I actually had a nice thing for my 30th where my wife, because she knew I didn't handle 29 so well, she... I was okay with 29. 30, I had a problem yeah, with. 30, I was fine with. But she, what she did is she did a surprise party for me. That's nice. I invited fellow coworkers, uh, college friends, uh, family. Yeah. It was just a big, nice surprise. Yeah. We did what's called Whirly Ball. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And for those of you who don't know what Whirly Ball is, it's basically, I mean, it's you can look it up online, but yeah. what it is, it's you're riding around in bumper cars with a little high lie stick, and you're winging a wiffle ball up at a basketball backboard, basically, yeah. to score points. Yeah. And you're ramming each other and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, and you're doing all this naked. No. Oh, no. I played something different. <laughs> <laughs> what did I play? <laughs> you, well, here's the great thing, and this might be why you ended up naked, is yeah. you can be, they have a bar there. That could have been why I wasn't. So you can be drinking, yeah. and then you go bash around in the bumper cars. cars yeah. So a good time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, she also did. This was really cool of her. She did a thirty-day countdown to thirty, where she contacted friends, family, celebrities, all this type oh, of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she had this little uh, box that uh, she got like a pack of tans. And every morning, I would open that box up, and there was a card or a letter or an autograph from somebody. And so it kind of made it fun. So every day up until October 6th, I yeah, was getting cool. these little things. She even had, like, the president of my college yeah. write me something, the principal of my old high school. I got an autograph uh, picture. It must have been a rough month for you guys here at the household with sending all those paychecks out to get yeah. right to <laughs> wish you a happy birthday. Um, but it's what she spent, like, 20 grand that month? No. Awesome. <laughs> but, she, uh, but she did get me James Earl Jones tied into the show, oh. uh, his autograph on a Darth Vader yeah, picture. George, voice of Darth Vader. Yeah, so that was very cool. But, yeah, so I got that coming up, so that that's really all I got going on, going little, on for me right happy now. happy birthday, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Let's see what else has been going on. Uh, you got a lot of or some flack on the forums. Yeah, I've been taking a lot of heat for the whole uh, sports franchise favorite things, and I've been trying to dispute it as you, much as possible. You've been, but you've been backtracking your ass up. Man. I wouldn't think backtrack. <laughs> I was just trying to come to a rationalization. I'm not. I don't root for the Yankees if they're playing another team. I'm kind of indifferent about it. Then why are but they I on guess, your top five list? Let me explain. <laughs> I guess if it were to come down to it, uh, you know, blow for blow, I just thought about it, and I, I think if, I think I am a Yankees fan. Okay. Like I can. I think I'm, honestly. I mean, I'm I, still gonna, if I weren't rooting for the Cubs the way I do, and if I had no other affiliation to baseball. I would probably gradually just drift toward the Yankees. Well, at least just because of the history of the team. Yeah, they're always good. They spend money. They're very competitive. So you're a front runner. No, not a front runner. They haven't <laughs> been winning a lot of World Series lately. No, they haven't. But but I just I just like that organization. You just like that they have a lot of money. I like they have a lot of money. <laughs> you and want they to be a, spend it, and you want to be a part of that. I like rich. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm good with that. If you call me a money-hungry gold digger, okay. then yes, I'll accept that. Right. Those terms I'll accept. You can be a kept man. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. By, yes. Um, well, I'm glad you at Are least... Are you listening, ladies? Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you can at least finally admit that you are yeah, probably I mean, a Yankees fan. I had, a, I had fan. a trouble with it because you're like, you're a Yankees fan. You're a Yankees fan. I'm like, no, I'm not really a Yankees fan. I don't have a Yankee hat. I don't have a Yankee shirt. There's no Yankee memorabilia in my household. I mean, I don't watch them on a constant basis. I've never been to Yankee Stadium, the old one or the new one. Right. And yet, my, my argument the whole would time... Would I like to go? Yeah, sure. My, why not? My whole argument was, well, if you don't do any of those things, why were they on your top five favorite franchises? Because they're rich. <laughs> and they spend a lot of money on the players then, they want to try to put themselves in a better position to win. Then you're but a fan. My, my whole tirade is second fiddle compared to the backlash from your LeBron James tirade. <laughs> 
there are still tremors going yeah, around but, about this. But did you notice no one jumped on and defended... People are fucking afraid of me. No one defended LeBron. You threatened a man with bodily harm. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, people aren't going to want to get back on that bandwagon and have you, like, send, like, some well, messages to people it, with... It just means they fear me and not you. That's good. I'm not a violent person. I mean... You, on the other hand, apparently... I'm not a, violent either. I'm, of course not. I, I didn't say I was going to be the one to give him a career-ending injury. Oh, you're going to Tanya Harding him or something. Right. I'm going to hire someone, someone. right. All right. <laughs> Just make sure he's not you, a high school dropout like Jeff Galuti. i got to make sure I edit this part out so this way people don't we'll try it down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's just backtrack and edit that. Uh, but, yeah, so we don't turn into a sports yeah, uh, this podcast. Is, yeah. uh, but speaking of sports... Yes. We are involved in the fantasy football. Yes. The Star Just Fantasy Football League. I uh, won again last week, so yes. I bitch-slapped somebody. I'm officially three and zero. I have yes. the best record in the league. Yes, and I'm and just glad to hear you admit that. Yeah, well, it's only three games. I, I can't. I can't deny it. If you're the top person in there, I have to say you're the best person in the league. That's all I wanted to hear. Edit for, that for now. Let's put that on a reel and keep playing it. You're the best person in the league for now. For now, right? I'll take it. You have the best record. Well, true. I can't deny that. But right here's the nice victory for me. What is that? I'm not going over like you were wishing. True. I am now two and one. That's true. So, so I won right my, last, my heels. I won my heels. Yeah, I've won my last two games. The thing that I find really interesting about your victories is you have the second lowest score total of anybody. <laughs> so I like how you try to make my victories less meaningful. It just so happens that the week that you play these teams, they have their worst week. A lot of it's dumb luck. Oh yeah, it is. Well, and and then a lot emphasis of emphasis on the dumb. A lot of it's <laughs> me managing. You know, a lot of it's me managing. So, and I like to point out too that. Uh, last past Monday, the Chicago Bears actually defeated the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football, which I'm very happy about. That was I, ecstatic. I could give two shits about. Because the Cleveland Browns are 0-3. Well, yeah. There you go. My team sucks. I'm already saying next You're 0-3. The I'm, team you root for is 0-3. Right. The team I root for is 3-0. Right. That's and, upset. And I'm just saying... Back to I'm, comic books. I'm already saying, well, there's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> Three games into it, these Browns fans are like, eh, there's next year. All right, back to comic That's comics. a common phrase in Cleveland. <laughs> I've heard that with a lot of people. For every team. I've heard that a lot of people. And it's for Cubs fans. And, and every year, it gets earlier and earlier in the season. I have it tattooed on my arm. Wait till next year. It, it's a Cubs fan thing. All right. So, uh, anyways, back into... I just wanted to bring up the fact that you were getting some heat on the forums about... Yeah. About us. People are kind of rabid about the well, franchise. Well, here's like the thing. If you had just said, I'm a Yankees fan, and then didn't try to say, but well, I don't, I don't really root for them, the but... Thing about it is, I, with a fandom, to me, it's like... Uh, that's the team that you support above all others. No other team comes close to doing it. That's the team that you buy the merchandise for, you go see the games for. And I, I don't really do that, so I don't really consider myself a fan. Right. I like the way they operate and conduct their business, which is baseball. Right. So I'm a fan of their business model, their business proposals. But here's the thing. Here's a comparison to comic books, some people can relate to okay. that are listening to this. Well, some people are a fan of like smaller comic books and they like that story. That right. But here, I like the big two. Sure, but here's the thing. You putting the Yankees on your top five list of favorite sports franchises would be like you putting Batman on your top five favorite superhero characters, but you don't buy any Batman comic books. Hmm. There's the analogy. But I respect Batman because of what he did. (laughs) So I could possibly do that. But having... It's basically saying, I don't read any Batman, I just kind of know what he's been up to. But I've seen the movies. And he did make a lot of money. Yeah. He did. He did. He's a billionaire. Well, then I'll take Probably it. Probably a trillionaire. Well, then I'll take it. So. Bruce Wayne or Batman? Is that money's Bruce Wayne's or is it Batman's? Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> All right. So, anyways. Um, Thanks for joining us. Uh, so, yeah. G.I. Joe so, Star Wars comic cast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, do we want to? What do we want to do? We want to get into some of the listener feedback and yeah, questions. Yeah, let's do some questions. Stuff. Sure. All right. Uh, we'll go into our Jedi Holocron. Jedi Holocron. Okay, Chuck. Uh, well, let's see. We had a little bit of feedback. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll chat with you later, buddy. Uh, I'm just saying goodbye to OU812 there. Uh, he doesn't. You? He doesn't like you. He flipped me off on the way out. I thought he was. I don't like too. I don't like you either. <laughs> well. <laughs> Honestly, I have the death sentence in 12 systems. That didn't need to be said out loud, honestly. I'm a little offended. Go ahead with your question, sir. I'll compose myself. You understand where I was going with that, right? Yes. Okay. I I never know. I never know. You put Yankees on your top five list. Go with it. For the tribe? Yeah, I actually root for the tribe. No one roots for the tribe. I do. All right. I'm not, I didn't say I was a smart man. <laughs> well, All right. So anyways, uh, back into the listener feedback and questions and everything else. We actually had a couple iTunes reviews, which was very cool. We're oh, up yeah. To, hey, we're thank up, you very much. Yeah, we're up to nine reviews. Awesome. Uh, one of them, we, I think we had mentioned already, but I want to mention them anyways because... He also left us a comment on one of our episodes on our actual website, Sweet. which people might not be able to realize. You can actually go onto the website, and underneath the actual episodes, there's a little comment button. You can click on that, and you just have to enter in like an email address, and then you can put your comment in there. And then it lets me know that we got a comment, and yeah. I have to accept it or decline it. The reason for that is, basically, if someone's commenting on something that has nothing to do with our show, and they're trying to advertise or whatever... yeah. I can decline it. Now, if you comment on it and say the show sucked, I'll still accept it because it's feedback. I won't. Well, you don't have access, so. There you go. <laughs> That's why I won't do it. But anyways, it was uh, Keith, uh, also known as Manticore, who does DC Noise. Oh, yeah, DC Noise, yeah. Awesome. They've been, giving, they've been giving us a lot of uh, shout-outs lately. Yeah, they're about to do their 100th episode. They here. did they do They did their, it. I didn't listen to it yet. Yeah, they did do their 100th episode. I didn't episode. listen to it yet. I'll, I'll get to it, guys. But they've been giving us a lot of shout-outs lately, so I want to yeah, make awesome. sure that I, I give Keith his credit as well. Um, they do a great show, him and Mike. On iTunes, he said, Is there anything better in this world to talk about than G.I. Joe and Star Wars? Chuck and Ryan deliver. Great stuff. And here's to many more episodes to come. Uh, on the actual comment of the episode, which was for episode 11, he said, uh, Great episode. Welcome back and don't be a stranger. Exactly. Hey. So that was cool. Some all warm and fuzzy inside there, man. The, uh, the other uh, iTunes review that we got was from a, someone labeling themselves Ol. Storm Crow, so O L E, Old Storm Crow. I think I drank that in college. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they actually said, uh, whoever this was said, one of my favorite podcasts. That's all they did. They gave us five stars and so Awesome. And that's all you need to do. I'll take it. Yeah. So we're up to nine reviews. We would love to have ten. We'd love to hit double digits. So it's sweet. Yeah. So go on iTunes and give us a review, good or bad, don't really care. Yeah. Just we want to hit number ten. I'd love to have more fans on Facebook. Exactly. Uh, going into some of the questions that we got. Okay. Uh, so I posted on Facebook, hey, has anyone got questions they'd like to have us answer? Questions. So Greg okay. asked us three questions. Ooh, three from Greg. So here's the first one. There's, he said, there seems to be two different lines of current G.I. Joe figures out there. What's the difference and what additional details can you give me? Oh, maybe he's talking about the Rise of Cobra, Rise of Cobra movie ones. figures. Yeah. And the other ones with the blue carded, right. uh, just a regular G.I. Exactly. Joe figure. So. Yep. That's pretty much what it is. You're looking at the movie-accurate figures with movie sculpts of the actors and actresses' heads Yep. And the, from the movie. And then you and have those are the, the green and black backings. Yeah, it should maybe even say Rise of Cobra somewhere on it. 
and the other ones are actually uh, just Hasbro created GI Joe, more like the cartoon, the original stuff, just updated. And they gave him a blue card now. They're, yeah, with a bluish background, right? And well, the other one I thought of maybe that he's seen is that there is that Cobra Commander one with the red with the red backing too. Yeah, that's just an exclusive. It's an yeah. exclusive, but I don't know which one he was referring yeah, to. Maybe. So. so if you see that one, that's the only one. It's the Cobra Commander. It's the first uh, GI Joe figure ever that doesn't say GI Joe on it. It actually says Cobra. Right. So that was just an exclusive. It's supposed to be a um, like an exclusive for one store or a giveaway or mailing a mailing. It was it's a mailing. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be mailing. And they actually decided not to do the mail-in offer. They just randomly inserted it into uh, case assortments, and it just started popping up at stores. Yeah. I've seen it a couple times and passed on it. I'm not a fan of that look. Yeah, it, I'm not a fan of that look either. It's the movie look yeah. of them. And uh, the thing is with the Rise of Cobra figures, what they've been doing, it seems like they've been expanding on that yeah. alternate timeline, if you want to yeah. call it, and creating characters that were never in the movies but maybe they'll be in the next one. Well, I don't well, know. What they did was they took a lot of characters too that weren't in the movie, like the say Shipwreck and Doc, the Toys R Us right. exclusives. They were just from the cartoon, but they updated them with new versions like Shipwreck and Arctic Gear, which is, those are pretty cool. I right, mean. I actually like the Shipwreck one, the, yeah. the standard Shipwreck one from Rise of Cobra, the, that version because it's not the typical looking Shipwreck. Yeah, it's not the sale YMCA Shipwreck. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, of the, oh, those figures, the Rise of Cobra, the, the movie figures. I just had the stuff that Rock gave us yeah. in the box, the Vipers. Wolfman Z actually hooked me up with the City Strike Snake Eyes. Okay. So those are the only ones I've got. I've never really bought one, so to say. I bought a couple for my kid for his birthday, but I didn't buy one for myself. But of the new ones, the blue-carded ones, I do have Snow Job. Which looks awesome. Which is a great-looking figure. I like that. That might be a future review sometime. Yeah. And I'm looking to get a couple more. I, I do want to pick up the Zartan and Dusty. I want to get the Zartan and Dusty because I saw, I think it was Starfighter posted his. Yeah, and or, so did Wolfman Z. And Wolfman yeah. Z. And that those two figures look amazing. They look good. I actually saw them in the store, and I passed on them. And I passed I, on them a couple times, but they're still there. Yeah, Walmart and Target, I especially cheaper. Yeah, I especially love that Zartan one because he comes with like a falcon, and he's getting, yeah, he just looks awesome. Yeah, so. and, uh, Beachhead and uh, Firefly are not too bad either, but yeah, not a big fan of the Duke or Rikondo looking ones. Yeah, I'm not. Really I think Manicor posted those too. I, yeah, I mentioned that that I didn't really like the Duke because he's got like no shirt sleeves and a headband on. He's right. kind of. He looks like uh, weird looking. He looks like uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger from Commando. Yeah, He's got something. The blonde yeah, hair. blonde hair. <laughs> and the Rakondo one. I mean, they they gave him a nice jungle look, but it, he's a bald headed individual now. Where he yeah. <laughs> he had hair before. I'm like, well, it's 25 years later. Maybe his hair fell yeah. out. Who knows? And he had but, the porn stash going. I like the porn stash. <laughs> I like the Tom Selleck look on that guy. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I didn't really but care. But I don't have a lot of them, but I'm looking to get back in. It's just the budget thing. Yeah. I, I personally didn't really care for the beachhead looking one because I thought he looked too much like Firefly. The beachhead one, I do have a nice looking beachhead one that's a 25th anniversary style yeah, beachhead. That's a good And one. I'm really happy with that. And there's also a comic two pack that was beachhead and mainframe. Yeah. And that's a good looking beachhead figure yeah. too. And that's why I didn't really buy that one. And I do have the Firefly looking one from the 25th anniversary. Right. And the two pack, comic two pack, the Firefly that came out. And I do like those figures, so I might not get those two. Yeah. But I do want to pick up that Dusty, because it's pretty sweet looking. Yeah, Dusty is pretty sweet. And the Zartan, Zartan is really that's sweet. pretty nice looking, too. All right, his uh, second question, number two. Number two. <laughs> this one I might be able to answer better than you, but uh, you can certainly throw your two cents in. Sure. He said, uh, if they were to ever make the Zon trilogy into movies, should they be live action, CGI, or cartoon? Now, you've never read the Zon Timothy trilogy. Timothy Zahn, right? Right. No, I have not read it. 
probably the best trilogy that there is in Star Wars, as far I did, as far as books. I did start reading that Star Wars book that are six. Did you? Six yes. What do you think? It's okay. I've gone through the no, I'm not through the first chapter yet. I'm through a couple pages. Okay. I just started a couple days ago this weekend. Slow and steady. Yeah. <laughs> I keep it in the bathroom. Um, I read it there. Now the good news for you is the Zon trilogy has been turned into a comic book. Okay. So the book the the actual trilogy of books was turned into comic book version. Is as it in well. trade? It isn't. Uh, yeah, it should be in trade. I haven't looked for it. Okay. Because I thought about getting the comic book version, but I already have the book version. What's I it, already what's read it the book. The comic books. Uh, it's called. Uh, there's Star Wars: Heir to the Empire, Star Wars: Dark Force Rising, and I'm trying to remember uh, the Last Command. Is but the, those are the, the last sets one. that they're called. Yeah, I think they they may have only done Heir to the Empire. Okay. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I can always double check, but. That's the start of the whole story. Okay. So, um, Dave, so what do you think? Uh, live action, comic book? I am, right now, because of Clone Wars and because I've seen what they can do for a lot of the animated trailers for the video games that are coming out and everything yeah. else, I'm kind of against them doing the live actions anymore. Really? Because I think they've screwed it up too many times. Ouch. Jar Jar really got you, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, and, I, and I'm fine with the prequels these days. I was a little bit more upset when they first came out. But You've had ten years. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with them now. I actually kind of like them. But it, I like them more so because of the Clone Wars cartoon. They've given me more depth to those stories. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't do them. I wouldn't do them as a cartoon. That's been done already many times for Star Wars. Yeah. I would stick with the CGI. Again, I... I wouldn't do it in the Clone Wars style. I mentioned that one trailer I showed you for the Old Republic. I do it in that style because only because the Zon trilogy is a lot more serious. It's it's darker. More it's a darker story. Oriented. Yeah, it's just a darker story in general. So now those are authorized by Lucas. Oh right? yeah, so it's official canon. right? It's official canon. Yeah. So maybe one day they will. Right. So who knows? They might. Uh, but yeah, I would go with the CGI. Okay. Um, and then his third question. Question uh, three. He said, your thoughts on the best way to display a loose figure collection? Dioramas, rows and rows of figures, or throw them in a box, etc.? Yeah, there's three different <laughs> options there. I pick option four, bring them here. <laughs> but, yeah, um, a box is no good because you can't really yeah, see them. You're not really displaying them. Yeah, um, a shelf you know, with rows of figures is okay. A shelf with random figures and a couple other things is nice. It's yeah. not too messy. Dioramas are okay, I guess, if you have space to do something like that and time to build it and it looks good. But yeah, you honestly, to, where the hell are you going to put it? Yeah, you have to spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah, too. and there could be some cash involved with that. Uh, the cheap on the cheap is just throw them on a shelf and arrange them the way you want, and you can right. change them later on if you decide to move the shelf or change the room around. Now, one way that I'm looking to do the room here, uh, when I actually have time to do the room here, is I'm going to build shelves. Mm -hmm. and just plain, ordinary shelves. I'm just going to paint them the color of whatever I want to match the room. And then I'm going to have the figures kind of on little steps, because I have a lot of figures, so I want them all to be able to be True. seen. So I want them on steps, so this way you can see the ones that are in the back row and everything else. And then what I'm going to be putting behind them on the wall oh, is... Oh, you're going to tear it like stadium. Yeah, almost, shelf, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like your grade school elementary picture. Yes. Like, okay. Exactly. It's on bleacher stage. Everybody stand on the bleachers. Yeah. And Short kids in front. <laughs> and then behind them, I'm going to have framed either comic books or original art pieces that I have collected okay. that relate to those characters. That could be cool. So I, I think that would look pretty sweet. So yeah. it's kind of a classy look, but you still get to totally geek out with it. So yeah. 
that's, that's not so bad. That's my recommendation. Yeah, box doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think putting Rose and Rosa figures look cool if you're able to... True build. Yeah, if you're troop building and you're able to like look down on them and see yeah, all the if, figures. If you've got like a bunch of Cobra soldiers or Vipers and you want to... And they're like, like a legion of 20 of them. Yeah. Fucking knock yourself out. Then that's cool. Yeah. But when it's all different looking figures, you're kind of hiding some of the cool yeah, figures behind yeah. them. So. True. All right. Good questions. Thanks a lot. Andy has a question for us. Andy, our fellow co-worker. Andy. He said, still waiting on t-shirts. That's his only comment. What's up, my friend? <laughs> Honestly, we kicked that idea around and we thought about doing t-shirts. We're just trying to gauge some interest. So maybe this is where we bring it up publicly. If anybody out there is interested in a Star Joe's t-shirt... Let us know. Either email us or I'll put a poll on the put forum. A on the forum I'm yeah. going to put a poll on the forums. And send us an email. It's at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Or uh, let us know on Facebook for this episode. Yeah. You know? Maybe we'll throw something up there for Facebook tonight. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would just simply be cost plus shipping, yeah. obviously. And yeah. we would have to look into, we'd have to do the research to find out what it would cost us to do that. Yeah, so we don't know, you know how much it would cost us, but we're not yeah. going to upcharge. No, not at all. So. And we're not opposed to doing it, and the, design, the designing of it would be easier to do because I have a wife that's a graphic designer. Yeah, we just throw so, a logo on a T-shirt yeah, and call it a day. Just basically, I ask her, hey, can you set this up so it can go on a T-shirt? Unless but, we wanted to do like a polo and embroider uh, our winning contest logo on the... No. No? Okay. No. All right, never mind. Uh, that would cost a lot more money. Mucho bucks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think in T-shirts, too, uh, when you get them made up, you have to have like a certain number... Quality wise, to, to print yeah. them up, it might be it's silk. It's screen printing. Yeah, so you might have to do a certain number of shirts. So if we gauge interest and there's enough people out there, you know, 10, 20 people want a shirt. I don't see why we can't put an order yeah. together. Yeah, uh, so that might be something we work on for the new year. Yeah, cash in so. hand. The last question we received was from Ryan, who was our you no. Oh. <laughs> The person that actually did our mascot for us. Hey, so, I just tried to get your idea on a shirt, and he shot it down. <laughs> Go ahead. Because he had a lot of colors, and multiple colors multiple. cost a lot more money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, Ryan wanted to, he said, hey guys, I just picked up a lot of vintage uh, Masters of the Universe guys. Oh, hey, Ryan, PM me later. I want to give you my address, so send those to me. <laughs> he said he got He-Man, Merman, Beastman, Stratos, and Triclops. Are I just, got Stratos. Those are just okay. a few of them. Uh, the problem is a couple have very loose legs. Is there any way to remedy this, or do they make some type of stands or Master Universe figures uh, for Master of the Universe figures? He goes, thanks, guys. They do make stands, yes. uh, so you can get those definitely. Now they're going to be uh, like waist-clipping stands, like a flight stand. Right, and I actually did a little bit of research for this one, and this kind of ties into also to Greg's question. I found a great website. yeah. Uh, it's called CollectingWarehouse.com. So it's uh, Collecting with an I-N-G, Warehouse, just like you would spell Warehouse, uh, W-A-R-E-H-O-U-S-E. Wow. .com. <laughs> I went so fast, I, I wasn't sure yeah. if I... Did I say the E? Did or? I say all the letters? Well, I knew I didn't say yeah. the E yet, but I wasn't yeah. sure how I said the other ones. CollectingWarehouse.com. Yeah, CollectingWarehouse.com. They have amazing prices because those... Those waist clip ones, they have all different sizes. Yeah. They do call them doll stands. Yeah, doll stands. You just have to get past the idea that it's a doll. But they make them for action figures, and they actually say doll stand or action figure stand. Yeah, you can buy them for three and three quarter figures, but most of those three and three quarter figures do have foot pegs, so they have the peg stands. Right. And they do have six inch action figure stands. Or they, also have, they also have it for 12 inch, 14 yeah. inch. Those are where you start getting the dolls. 
Yeah, well, and the thing is, too, well, even some of the action figures get that big. Yeah, so sideshow collectibles, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so they have... Pretty much those do come with stands. Yeah, but if, you don't, if point, you don't have the stand, though... If you broke it, yeah, sure. Um, so you can actually get the waist stand, and it'll it'll hook right around the character's waist, and it's adjustable, so you can fit yeah. it on there nicely. And but sometimes it's only, with, even with a Stratos, you can put, pose it up a little higher, and he looks like he's flying. Yeah, and most of those stands, from what I was able to see, like the smaller ones, like for the... Three and three quarter inch, or for the six inch, are only like a couple bucks. Yeah, they're pretty pretty reasonable prices. So pretty reasonable. They also have when I was talking about the tiered stair look for yeah. standing your figures. They have that also for like fifteen bucks, and it's like an eight inch wide by four inch deep, That's or or ten inch deep, or something like that. Instead like, of whittling one in the garage, why don't you just order that? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's perfect. So still some time. They've got yeah. a ton of different products there. They have uh, domes that go over little stands. So if you want to make a bottled city of Candor from Superman, yeah, hey, there you go. Chuck has no idea what I just said. Or if you want to <laughs> put your, you know, Polly Pocket under glass, and, right? You know, uh, but they have a ton of products there. Uh, again, they don't sponsor us anyway, but I found this website. The prices are great for now, what yeah, you're getting. Yeah, preference we've never ordered from them before. Right. So we don't know how it's going to come. The prices are great and the items look great, but we yeah, don't know the how the items look great and the prices look great. So um, they even have, uh, you were talking about the three and three quarter inch figure stands. They also have the ones where it's split in the middle. So this way you can actually peg each foot separately. Yeah. yeah. So you can put your figure into a pose. And you don't have to worry about it all fitting on the same stand. Right, right. It's like split right, as if you took one of those stands split right in the middle, and each one had a peg that went into the figure. Right. So that's pretty that's sweet nice, also. Yeah. And now Maddie Collector does sell exclusive Masters of the Universe Classics only action figure stands. They're much more expensive. Right. And they do basically the same thing. They're just called flight stands. Right. But they're a lot more expensive. And they sell yeah. Castle Grayskull foot peg stands yep. for collectors, but they're a lot more expensive than what these were. So. Yeah, so... But they're kind of themed and oriented around Master of the Universe, so they got yeah. a little more. So definitely uh, check out CollectingWarehouse.com. That's what the their whole site is about, is for people that collect figures or dolls. Yeah. Uh, or memorabilia. Did you have so, a second part to that question? Or? Uh, no, that was really it. So okay. that, that's all I had for him. Awesome. Thank you very but much for the I, questions. I can tell you for a fact, I'm going to start using that website once I'm ready to start putting all this together, and uh, I can always report back later to tell you how the actual experience yeah, was. Yeah, sure, so. yeah. All right, so uh, let's see. That's all we had as far as listener feedback. I think that took enough time anyway, so... Yeah, we're about to an hour here. <laughs> uh, Want to go right into the issues then? Uh, one thing beforehand, uh, with it being your birthday pretty soon, I did go ahead and... Pick you up a birthday present. Oh, thank you very much. A little uh, live opening birthday present for Ryan here. Very nice of you. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And, uh, Wait till you get the bill. <laughs> you have to talk with my wife about that. Yeah. He's opening a card. Yep. It says, may your day be delightful. The best one yet. A happy, cheerful day that yep. you soon you won't forget. Yep. Happy it rhymes. <laughs> so it's, you know it's a good one. <laughs> Hugs and kisses. Very nice. You're welcome. Now, there's a little story behind this. Okay. Do that one last. Do this one last? Yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't know there was something else there. Oh, come on. You didn't look through everything? No, there's tissue paper in here, dude. <laughs> well, that's the... I don't wrap. <laughs> now, this is from the... Oh, nice. This is from the collection of Chuck. Right. I did purchase something else, but you told me you bought it and I had to take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, fuck, this guy, you're hard to shop for because you're kind of like me. You have what you have and you want it and you'll just go buy it. Right. So I'm like the same way. So I'm like, this is like 
fucking <laughs> karma at its best here. So I did originally buy you the Star Wars General Grievous figure. Oh, okay. The vintage one. I'm like, oh, this is great. He mentioned he liked it and everything. Right. That'd be great. A day later, he's like, yeah, I bought that. It's pretty cool. I'm like, oh, fuck me in the ass. <laughs> so um, I pulled it out of the collection. I actually had a couple of those. So Nice. It's actually a J.J. Well, 25th. Uh, yeah, 25th Stalker. anniversary of Stalker, which is definitely one of my favorite characters. I know I've, you mentioned that you like it. I'm like, I think I got one of those. Yeah. I'm check my inventory. Stalker is a total badass, and, and so thank you very much. That's awesome. Hey, so. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now this, on the other hand. Now this box. What do you get the guy who likes Star Wars, <laughs> who likes uh, G.I. Joe, Masters of the Universe, mm-hmm. you got Thundercats and all that jazz, but he has it all. <laughs> this is what you get him. Oh, my God. This is... This is awesome. This is... Uh, I am a huge Muppets fan. Yes, you are. Uh, big time. In fact, we will probably do a Muppets episode at some point, because they were definitely in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is Jim Henson's Muppets... Adventure Kermit. So he looks just like Indiana Jones. Right. Which is also one of my favorite movies ever. Yes. Um, so I knew you liked Muppets. I yes. knew you liked Indiana Jones. It's perfect. It's awesome. He has a he has a hat. He has a whip. A, a pistol. Imagine giving Kermit a pistol. Well, why he's, would you not? He's got a satchel. And then he's got an idol. Yes. Which is, looks like Gonzo. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Now that's actually, um, I believe... It's a convention exclusive. Oh, nice! That they don't even produce anymore. Like uh, this company's not in even existence anymore. Palisade Toys. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it might even be on there somewhere where it says convention exclusive or something. Uh, Palisade's Tour 2004 exclusive. Yeah. 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 Um, the really cool thing about this is I constantly am hearing. Uh, I believe it's uh, Shane on Comic Geek Speak. Mm-hmm. On the world of toys, he's constantly talking about how he has the entire collection of the Muppets figures. Yeah, yeah. And I've always been jealous because I've never picked up any of these. And I'm like... They're really cool. I am such a fan of the Muppets. I'm just like, oh, do I start down that path? That's a bad <laughs> path. Because they started doing... They were going to do Sesame Street, too. Oh. But they only produced one, and it was Super Grover. Oh, okay. Then the line got canceled. Wow. I was listening to a review on um, that new toy smell. Okay. And they actually were doing one of these... Um, Figures, not this one here. Right. They did another uh, Muppets figure, and I'm like, oh, Muppets, hey. And I like, that's where it got me the idea. And I'm like, yeah. they mentioned that they did an Indiana Jones Kerman. I was like, well, he likes both of those things. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So I went on to eBay, checked it out. I'm like, there it is. Nice. Bada boom, bada bing. Well, thank you very much. Both both uh, figures are. And they're both green. Yeah, they're both green. So there you go. It's not easy being green. There you go. Um, I will definitely save this <laughs> for a uh, future toy review. I thought it might be. Um, so. And you're like, uh, did you bring something over to review? I'm like, I, I might have something. <laughs> so, uh, all right, now you want to go into the issues. Let's go into all the right, issues. Let's go into the issues. So, we're going to go into uh, do we want to do the hyperspace review first? The last Yeah, let's, the let's do that one first. Then. All right, we're going to go into our uh, hyperspace review. Hyperspace review. All right, Chuck. Well, this review was a long time coming because uh, you and I both read this miniseries, and we both didn't like it from the very first issue. Yeah, it, so, it kind of left a little to be desired. So then we just kept getting it and reading it, but not reviewing it with anyone. Right. So this will be the Transformers last end of the Wreckers. Right. So I actually read through all of it, and I know you did also. I did, eventually. And as it went on, I started liking it a little bit more. I liked it when I was done with it. (laughs) 
like I, you liked how it ended, or you were like you liked the fact that you were done with it? Both. <laughs> no, it wasn't bad. I mean, it it did lose me a little in issues yeah. two, three, four. Kind of got me back in issue five. I was. I will tell you, up, and I and you know how much I hate doing this, but I will tell you the thing that helped me was rereading it. Yeah, all the way through. And again, like you said, I don't think I should have to do that with a no, comic. I'm pretty should, well educated. Should never have to do that with a comic. But it did help me understand some of these characters better because there was a lot of newer characters, a lot of newer Transformers that I had no idea who the hell they were. Yeah, and I can't remember. I think this was the one that didn't actually put the names by the characters. No, it did not. the other Transformer books. And you're like, well, who the hell are these people? You had to wait for somebody to call somebody To call their name, yeah. Call their name, so... So I'm gonna go. I mean, it's a nice looking book. The graphics are great. The, the graphics, the uh, the art is great. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the only thing. My only complaint with the art was was the newer characters pretty much all look the same except for uh, Rotor Storm. Yeah, all the rest of like the movie is a lot of yeah. robot parts flying around. Yeah, there was uh, some some of the newer characters were Iron Fist, Guzzle, and Pyro, and they pretty much all looked the. They were all pretty much the same color. Mm-hmm. They kind of had a similar look. So it was really hard to kind of follow who it was, but I did it. <laughs> and right, so so let me go through the story here. We got five issues here. Five issues. I'm going to fly through this as fast as I can. So three years ago on a prison planet called Garrus 9 Penitentiary, uh, some Decepticons attacked the prison run by Fortress Maximus. In the battle, a Decepticon named Overlord arrives to take charge of his, uh, for his own gain instead of following Megatron's plan. They actually end up taking over the planet. Then we jump to eight, only eight months ago, and we meet the new recruits for the Wreckers. And the new recruits are Rotorstorm, Iron Fist, Guzzle, and Pyro. And they're picked by Ultra Magnus's. Uh, they were picked up by Ultra Magnus's ship, and meet Verity, which is a human from earlier IDW stories. Springer, who's the leader of the Wreckers, comes to greet them with Cup, Perceptor, Top Spin, and Twin Twist. Springer announces they are going to clean up the mess on Garrus Nine. And reminds the new recruits how the Autobots haven't had it easy with being betrayed and almost erased from existence. He also reminds them that your first day as a wrecker can also be your last. So then we jump two years ago to Garrus 9, and Decepticons, for sport, start to hunt down the Autobots that are on Garrus 9. And this one Autobot uh, almost gets the jump on the Decepticons, but Overlord stops uh, that from happening. He then blasts the head off of two Decepticons because they were the weak ones that let this whole thing happen as far as the Autobot getting away. Back on Ultra Magnus's ship, so now we're going back to the present. Right. Iron Fist seems to have uh, blacked out, but comes to and insists that he's fine. So he's one of the new recruits. We find not much are in the Autobot files about Top Spin and Twin Twist, which are two of the wreckers. Cup talks to Springer because he knows with going to Garrus 9, Springer must be thinking about someone named Impactor. Nice. So we don't know who this Impactor person is. Then uh, one month ago on Garrus 9, Overlord has two Autobots fighting to the death for his amusement. One named Kickoff ends up winning, and Overlord invites him to come to his quarters and choose his reward. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Got some candy in my pocket, little boy. (laughs) Overlord goes that way. (laughs) Yes, just getting creepy now. (laughs) Going into Ultra Magnus' ship again. Fast forward. A damaged Decepticon ship is found in space with a distress signal running, and before they can decide whether to board it, the ship blows up, but some something escapes before it blows up, and it's the Autobot Impactor, who was mentioned before, mm-hmm. asking permission to come aboard. Right. So going into issue number two. I, Captain, can I come aboard? <laughs> a long time ago is how it was phrased. 
In a galaxy yeah, far, 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 far away. away. Yeah. yeah. Over heard that. It's amazing how these all just yeah, tie into each other all the time. Heard that before somewhere. <laughs> we had uh, Star Wars that Star Wars invasion issue with. A uh, robot named Prowl in it. Prowl, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, a long time ago, Overlord is destroying Autobots in battle, but then leaves for a meeting with Megatron. He's told he will be part of a special team to go and crush planets on the brink of destruction for the Decepticons. He asks, what if he doesn't want to be Megatron's little pet warhead? And Megatron says he has two options. One, he does as Megatron says, mm-hmm. or two, he doesn't. But with option two, Megatron will hunt him down and tear him limb from limb. Yeah. Do it or die. Right. <laughs> Back on Ultra Magnus's ship, we learned through the new recruits that Impactor was at one time the longest serving wrecker and the wrecker's leader. It's unknown why he left after an incident at a place called Pova. Inside with Impactor, we find that Springer is the reason Impactor was in a cell on Garrus 9. So he was a prisoner, a prisoner on Garrus yeah. 9. Perceptor notices something in Impactor's head, but it's believed to be a deterrent ship for prisoners. Springer asks how Impactor uh, got out into space, and Impactor basically tells what happened. He says uh, that he was in his cell while the Battle of Overlord is happening on Garrus 9, and a Decepticon named Snare helps break Impactor out because he tells Impactor that while Snare can't leave uh, out of fear of Overlord, he knows that Impactor has what it takes to leave and bring back help. So Impactor tells them what Overlord has done on the planet, and Ultra Magnus wants to delay the mission, but Springer just wants to rethink their strategy. Ultra Magnus says that he has to leave because he got a call from Prowl to come to Earth. And if you remember from the regular ongoing Transformers series, right, the, the he had to go. Call, yeah. He got the distress call from Prowl. So he's going to take uh, the small shuttle from the ship and go with Verity, but Verity overhears this whole thing, and she decides she's not going to go, so she becomes like a stowaway. Ultra Magnus also passed along from Prowl to Springer the name Aquitas, saying it would mean something to them. Laquita. No, Aquitas. Oh, L.A. Aquita. (laughs) La Quinta. La Quinta. I stayed there before. It's a hotel chain. Yes. So in the briefing of... Room service? Housekeeping? <laughs> so, in the briefing of the mission, we find out that Overlord is uh, the Decepticon's most high-profile deserter. Overlord wasn't power-hungry, though. He just wanted genocide. Oh, that's nothing but... Yeah, nothing, nothing but... <laughs> kill them all! doesn't want power, just kill everything. I just kill them all. Cup was at the battle where Overlord actually deserted, and he was in Overlord's hands on the brink of death, but Overlord stopped and said... Tell Megatron I chose option two, and I'll be waiting for him. Nice. So he's a badass. Right. Springer says first the first objective is to free the Autobot guards, and second is to find Aquitas, uh, which is down amongst hundreds of Decepticons. That's always good. Yeah, nothing like a needle in a haystack kind of find. That's right. Uh, they are going to land two drop pods for the mission. In one of the pods, we find Verity stowed away in a battle suit. The pods crash in uh, in a battle as they're landing, and Verity climbs out of the wreckage to find herself at the feet of Overlord. And the other pod are two droids. Right. <laughs> Don't blast them. Don't blast them. <laughs> With the plans for the Death Star. <laughs> so we go into issue three. Uh, we're on Garrus 9. It's two years ago. And Overlord put Shockwave back together. Yeah. So uh, now I was actually nice. It was nice to see Shockwave in. This. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was a little happy with that. Little recognition uh, or a transformer you can recognize. Yeah, a little classic outside of the normal wreckers. Like cop. Yeah, sure. So uh, Overlord put Shockwave back together, and it's basically so this way Shockwave can take this virus that was inside Overlord out of him. 
Uh, Shockwave is then free to go, but Shockwave tells Overlord that Overlord is not the first to bait Megatron, because that's really, he's trying to just coax Megatron there. Right. And he's like, Overlord replies, I only have to be the last. Yeah. So I'm not the first, but I just have to be the last. I tell that to a lot of girls I dated. Right. I didn't want to be first, I just want to be next. Not not even last. Last implies some kind of marriage or something, but I don't have to be first, I just want to be next. You okay with that, honey? It's... Why are you calling me, honey? No, I'm just speaking. Oh, to okay, audience. okay. Trying, um, to, trying to get a date. You were scaring me. We're Go ahead. This, we're in this little room together. You, I saw the want in your eyes. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, anyways, drink it. Uh, back to the current time period. Impactor's group of Cup, Springer, Twin Twist, and Guzzle are being chased down by by Decepticons. Meanwhile, Perceptor's group of Top Spin, Rotor Storm, Pyro, and Iron Fist are facing Overlord. Uh, Overlord tells them that they will die, but Rotorstorm says that Overlord forgot one thing and shouts, Wreckers combine! And then nothing yeah, happens. Yeah. And Rotorstorm goes, I thought it was funny. Yeah. And then Overlord starts laughing, puts a blaster to Rotorstorm's head, yeah. and just blasts his head off. That was the best part of the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I did not see that coming. No. So Rotorstorm's dead. Right. With the other team, Springer uh, orders... that they were com- combining it. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Uh, with the other team, Springer orders Cup and Guzzle to go find help while the rest of his team frees the Autobot prisoners. Impactor says the prisoners are uh, below them, so Twin Twist transforms and drills below, and they actually fall down below into what is actually an energy reactor. There they find Kickoff's mangled up body. So I guess he got his prize. There you go. But uh, the the doors all of a sudden close, and all of a sudden they're zapped. They just get like an EMP type thing happen to them. Uh, Perceptor orders Pyro to protect Verity, while the rest of the over, uh, rest of them make Overlord pay for killing Rotorstorm. But Overlord knocks them all down, and then he releases all the prisoners and uh, says, "Anyone who brings him a Wrecker's head will be free to leave the planet." Oh, nice. So you can imagine that's a little incentive there. And uh, as Perceptor and team run, uh, Iron Fist's head starts to hurt again, but he insists that he's fine. They head to find Aquitus and come to the door where Aquitus is behind to find that the Decepticons hooked up an almost dead Fortress Maximus to work on the codes to open the door. Perceptor actually knows the codes, so he actually opens up the door, and he basically says, this is Aquitus, but we still don't see him, in, or what Aquitus is in this issue. Yeah. The issue actually closes with Twin Twist being tortured right. by this interrogator. Uh, G.I. Joe interrogator? No, this would be a Transformers interrogator. Decepticon interrogator. Yeah, they're the same. Yeah, you know. They're the same union. Right, exactly. They all got trained the same way. Number four, issue number four. Eight months ago, we find out that Prowl was a f- uh, fan of Iron Fist's writings about the Wreckers' history and offered him the job of being one of the Wreckers' new recruits. So he really wasn't meant to be the soldier. Right. He was more of a historian. Cup and Guzzle come to a cell, and we find out that at, that cell used to hold Grimlock, but it's now empty. Right. That would have been nice to see. See that, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And uh, like, Oh, Dinobot, sweet. Exactly. Nothing. Well, all of a sudden, the Decepticon snare from earlier, uh, he actually shows up and he tells them that Grimlock's gone and may have gone mad by Overlord. So Grimlock might be fucked up somewhere and we don't know. Uh, Snare actually offers to help them out. Going back to Perceptor's team, uh, we go. they actually go into Aquitus' chamber to re- reveal that it's a supercomputer that calculates guilt in trials. Mm-hmm. So if you're guilty of something, this computer 
dictates if you're actually guilty. Actually guilty, yeah. Top um, spin detector. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Top spin feels pain due to twin twist being tortured, and we find out that top spin and twin twist are what's called a branch spark. So they actually share the same spark of life. Uh, because of this, they sometimes share pain and experiences because of it. Like Tomax and Zaymon. Yeah, very much so. That was one of the great things. I, I think I remember in the cartoon where I think it was Roadblock or somebody you was beating up one, one of yeah. them, and yeah, the other one was getting <laughs> beat up. I haven't touched you yet. Yeah, <laughs> that was My great. Brother, I feel what he feels. Exactly. Same thing here. Yeah. Iron Fist tells the story of how Impactor in the past hunted down a group of Decepticons called Squadron X, which, which were like the Decepticon version of the Wreckers yeah, or Rogue X. Right. Uh, in battle, Impactor and Springer were pinned down by some rubble. And really the only way to get the jump on Squadron X before they're killed would be for Impactor to actually shoot through Springer. So Springer actually offered to have him do that, and they're actually able to take down Squadron X because of it. Nice. Uh, once they're captured, and put in, Squadron X is captured and put into a uh, chamber, uh, Impactor's actually working out the details with Prowl for transferring them, but Squadron X gets loose... And Impactor goes into their chamber and takes them all down. So it's basically, I have no choice now. I have to take them all down. It is revealed uh, that to turn Aquitas on, the supercomputer, and to take all the info out of it, which is what they went there for, it would actually, a Transformer must actually willingly give up his life spark. Right. So they can't have just one of the Decepticons hook up to it. They have to sacrifice themselves. Somebody's going to die. So since Top Spin's already feeling the pain of Twin Twist, he actually goes and sacrifices himself, so this way he can actually end Twin Twist's pain. Right. Then we see Cup and Guzzle and Snare break into the torture room and free Springer and Impactor. Uh, in the battle to free them, Snare is killed, and Overlord all of a sudden shows up. Yeah. So that's not good. So now the party started. Now the party's starting. Uh, at the very end of the issue, Iron Fist is used uh, to download all of Aquitas' info into him, and Iron Fist discovers a truth he never knew before. So... Going into the last issue. Yep. Overlord, in the battle, there rips Guzzle's legs off of him. Yep. Uh, then bashes Cup's head in. Yep. And then Impactor shoots a, a grappler into Overlord's eye. Right. Which was awesome. Yeah, that's that's what made me start getting back into this. Yeah. <laughs> issue 5. <laughs> issue 5 got you back into it. Yeah. Because uh, it's right at the beginning of the book. Oh, yeah. Like, holy crap. Also, it's just kick-ass fighting. Yeah, yeah. I'm digging it. So then, uh, with per- Perceptor's group, the Decepticons are about to break in, and Pyro decides he will stay behind to fight them and buy the rest of them some time. Basically, Pyro always wanted to go out that way. Right. And blaze of glory. Yeah, exactly. And Pyro's basically ripped to shreds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't take very long. No, it doesn't, no. Iron Fist reveals the truth about Squadron X's capture in that Springer never offered to have Impactor blast through him. It was actually Impactor's idea to do that. And he's like, yeah, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Then upon Squadron X's capture, Prowl tells Impactor that they must all be let go because the planet that it was done on had a neutrality agreement, and if not released, the inhabitants might side with the Decepticons since the agreement would, would have been broken, basically. Impactor decides that that's not going to happen because he spent all his time tracking these guys down and finally capturing them. So he enters the chamber where Squadron X is, all shackled up. So they're all tied up. They're harmless. And he basically kills them all. And yep. Springer is the one who actually testifies against them because Springer was trying to get into the chamber to stop them. Right, to stop them, yeah. And uh, he just blasted them all dead. So that's why Impactor was in jail. In the battle with Overlord, Iron Fist, Perceptor, and Verity show up Iron Fist throws Springer a gun, and Springer blasts Overlord. 
Overlord then rips Springer's face off. I like that. Which was awesome. Uh, he then blasts Perceptor in the chest, yeah. and he's about to stomp Iron Fist, but Iron Fist reveals that the shells that Springer blasted him with were filled with the, with deterrence chips that were used for the prisoners. And Iron Fist, with the uh, knowledge that he gained from Aquitus, is able to actually detonate the ones that are just in Overlord. Right. So Overlord just completely blows off. Right, that's why they tell him to get to the Laquitas. Right. And Overlord is still not dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that part. I'm like, you think you got him. It's like a bad horror movie. Yeah. You this, this guy's on fire. Yeah. And he's a skeleton of his former self. Yeah, he's almost like Jason. At but time. much like Trapjaw in our last episode, he just keeps coming. Keeps coming back for more. Now, that's a villain I can fucking get behind. Yeah. So uh, Impactor has a chance to, to actually kill... Uh, Overlord, but he doesn't and decides to take him in. So he kind of redeems himself. Right. He pulls the Batman. Yeah. So in the end, it's confirmed that Twin Twist, Top Spin, Rotor Storm, and Pyro are all dead. All dead. Springer is, in, is on life support with no face. Yeah, he's, he ain't coming back. <laughs> uh, Impactor and Guzzle uh, actually took off after Im- Impactor was pardoned for his crimes. Iron Fist actually died from a bullet that was lodged in his head and was working its way to his brain. So that's why he was having those blackouts and yeah. everything else. So he basically knew he was going to die. But he still wanted to be part of this one last great adventure. Yeah. Now, before he died, he did transfer all of Aquitas's information into a chip. And that chip was given to Ultra Magnus. Well, Ultra Magnus then gives it to Prowl on Earth. Right. And he... The art was a little fuzzy on this, but with the wording, it kind of seemed like Prowl actually... Because Ultra Magnus is like, any damage happens to this chip and we lose that information forever. All those trials and everything else. Yeah. All that history. And it looks like Prowl actually crushes, crushes it a little it, bit. Yeah. Damaging it. So, And then uh, basically it closes with Verity returns to Earth to kind of finish telling the whole story of everything that happened. Right. Now, the only thing that left a sour taste in my mouth at the very end of this whole thing was... I don't know what happened to Perceptor. Right, that's what I was going to say. What happened to Perceptor? And I don't know what happened to Cup. Well, Cup died, didn't he? He got his head crushed. Yeah, I thought he died. But I don't know what happened to Perceptor because he just got shot. But when they show the funeral scene, yeah, they only mention the four names of Topspin, Twin Twist, Rotor Storm, and Maybe Pyro. Cup got out because he's in the other stories. Right. So yeah. I'm thinking Cup survived, but they don't really make it a they point to yeah, let you know. No, yeah. So well, this this is available in issues and in trade. Yes. Um, you can definitely pick it up if you'd like to. It's not a central read. No. For the continuity of the story. It's a... But it might be later. You never know, because if some of the wreckers appear back on Earth or on Cybertron... I mean, yeah, definitely, you know, you could pick it up if you'd like to, if you don't want to. uh, I'd get it in trade if you get it cheap, or if you find this in a dollar bin or a 50 cent bin, the series. Yeah, if you're in DCBS and you can pick up the trade cheap, go ahead. Yeah. So... All right, so uh, let's go into the main meat of the rest of regular issues that we have here. Springfield of Tatooine. From Springfield to Tatooine. All right, Chuck, uh, we got a lot of issues to cover, but we should be able to get through them pretty quickly. Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, jump on here and take a couple here. Okay. Sticking with the Transformers theme, we'll do Transformers uh, current issue number 11 here. Okay. It's by our buddies uh, Costa and Guidi. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention with uh, Last Stand of the Wreckers. Oh. Uh, let me just say the writer and artist on this. The writer, the story was by Nick uh, Roche, R-O-C-H-E, and James Roberts. Maybe it's Roche. Roche, could be. And uh, Nick Roche also did the pencils, so he did the art as well. Yeah, it's not bad. Like, so, it's not bad. Yep. All right. So All right, This is uh, Transformers Ongoing, issue number 11 here. 
basically the notes are uh, Thundercracker tells Bumblebee he doesn't want to join and fight and join them. He doesn't want to be an Autobot. Bumblebee tells him you can't be happy here just sitting around watching TV. And Thundercracker tells Bumblebee, uh, weren't you a saboteur at one time? He said, yeah. He goes, you must have been really good at what you do. Right. Uh, then we see Brawn. Having a hissy fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's kind of upset here because he wasn't picked to go on the mission and was left behind. And then we got a military guy, an army guy, a human, tells the Autobots to stop fighting and you guys are acting like babies over there. And Brawn tells him, he goes, he goes, hey, I'm only here because Optimus Prime wants me to be here. And, and he also reminds him that, hey, you're human. And a human killed Ironhide, and, and how the hell do I know it's not you? He's also upset that the Autobots are also working with the Decepticons now, so... And Braun is one of the smaller Autobots, but he's one of the toughest. He's probably the, the toughest. The I strongest, yeah. I think, yeah. I think they make mention of that, too, yeah. And then we see the uh, Combaticons. They're actually sitting around drinking some Energon, swapping stories about how they, you know, beat the Autobots and kick their ass. Then uh, one of them starts smelling smoke. And then Optimus Prime crashes through in the truck form and takes out Vortex here. Ratchet's waiting outside to clip his wings because he's in, you know, the helicopter wings there. Yep. Uh, Prime alerts Bumblebee, uh, and then he contacts, Bumblebee contacts Cosmos and tells him that everything's a go. And then Cosmos here, he adjusts the military satellite that they're going to show a loop for about two hours here. So the military can't see the Autobots transform into robot yeah. mode. And I loved seeing Cosmos. I, I did too. I never thought I'd see I did him too. again. Yeah, I'm like, what an obscure guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so no one can really can see the uh, the Autobots as, as they transform uh, so the military can't see him, the president can't see him. And then we have Prime and the other Autobots transform from vehicle mode to uh, robot mode. And they start you know, taking, taking it to town to the Combaticons here, start beating the crap out of them. And Prime is, at, at the end of the book here, Prime's told to stop by um, a, a soldier here. It looks like a beast warrior. Um, tells him to stop. He's getting close to the China border. Yeah, it looks like... Well, it's the Predacons. Predacons. And which I was telling Chuck, I might... I know I said Devastator was one of my favorite Transformers, uh, but I might actually have to backtrack on that because out of all the combiners, I think the Predacons were my favorite because no. they, they were the size of Dinobots. But they, they could, were bigger, yeah. But they could transform into a giant robot also. I like I like Devastator, so I'll stick with that. And they had, um, well, and it looks like what the case is here is that the Combaticons, they were helping out, uh, I can't remember, was it? South Korea. South Korea. South Korea, South Korea. And now it looks like the Predacons were hired China. by China. Yeah. So it's like everyone's taking a country. <laughs> yeah, it could be turning into risk here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to the Predacons. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good issue, good read. Yeah. Let's move into another Transformers book since we're on that. Uh, this is the brand new one we're looking at. It's called Drift. Yep. Uh, issue one of four. Uh, McCarthy and, and uh, Maline. M-I-L-N-E. Maline. Okay. This I was not actually happy about getting until I read it. Then I was ecstatic that I got it. Yeah, I was the same way. I, I was not looking forward to reading this. But then all of a sudden I got it and I read it. And I'm like, this is pretty good. Yeah, just to set the story here, inside the cover here, it's uh, so far... Once a Decepticon, now Drift fights alongside the courageous Autobots in the ongoing Civil War. While he wears the, their insignia, and he sees himself as an Autobot through and through, Drift is still met by mistrust by many of the Autobot allies. He's hated by the Decepticons and distrusted by the Autobots. Drift is seen by many as an outcast. How he came to be here, why he was once known as Deadlock, and how he came to be at odds with his Decepticon allies, this story has never been told until now. 
Awesome. And I'm like, I'm hooked. <laughs> I read that part. I'm like, I've got to, I got to finish this. Thing. I got to read this yeah. now. <laughs> okay, now here's the notes here. Uh, Drift a Decepticon fighting with fellow Decepticons. At the end of a battle, here he shoots the leader and calls him a coward. And he tells the others that it's time for new leadership. Well, and at this time he's known as Deadlock. Deadlock, yeah. Yeah. Now back aboard their ship here, uh, his weapons are taken, and he's told he's becoming reckless. He states he's trying to win the war here. Then the blaster is actually kicked out of his hands. Drift kicks it out of his hands, and um, then, he, then he makes a run for it. He tries to escape. Mm-hmm. So what happens here is that the ship's leader tells him to track him down. And he escapes in an escape pod. Yeah, he leaves in an <laughs> escape pod. Yeah. Escape pods are all over this episode. Yeah. <laughs> then the ship leader tells him to track down that pod, and, and they can't because Drift actually, before he left... He went to the and put the uh, went on the computer there, and he put the ship's emergency lockdown on. Yep. So they're stuck. So the leader um, he states that uh, he has been banished and he's to be killed on spite. Spite. So, sight. So the next he's, <laughs> he's out of spite. He's killed out of spite. <laughs> the next time you see him, kill him. And then we pan to the escape pod here, and uh, it lands on another planet. It looks like a desert kind of planet thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, left alone to wander with his memories, uh, Drift comes across a city. And another, you know, stranger Transformer type person here yeah. uh, comes up behind him and he tells him he's a friend, he means him no harm, and that his name is Wing. Wing tells Drift that the city that they're looking at here is, is actually um, a city of slave traders. And he tells Drift that he'll help him get a ship and get out of here if he helps him free the slaves. Drift says, uh, I'll need a gun. Make that two guns. <laughs> so that was a classic line there. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Wing is revealed to be Cybertronian because he's kind of like a little ninja, in a yeah, little ninja outfit, and that kind of flares off of him here. He's revealed to be Cybertronian, not an Autobot or a Decepticon. He says he's alone. Uh, they both go to rescue the slaves, and Drift is caught and beat, and he's uh, demobilized here. Yeah, well, basically, what happens too is instead of trying to help Wing out, Drift makes a beeline for a sh- escape ship. Yeah. And he, because he's not paying attention, he just gets pummeled. Right. And when he when he awakes, though, his systems are back online. He's told he was saved, and now he's in the uh, the Crystal City. Yep. And that's we get a two beat continue. Yeah. And the a couple things I liked with this is one, it early on in the issue when he's deadlocked and he's taken down all these Autobots, we see Sunstreaker there. Yeah. Which was a nice little touch there. Um, so, you know, Sunstreaker at least got out of that battle scene, even though everyone else around him was dying. The other thing is, when we see Wing, initially, you can't even tell that he's a robot. You, he just looks like this ninja-type guy, because he's got all this fabric like and cloak on, cloak on him yeah. and everything. And it's not until they're actually fighting and he gets some of his cloak ripped off of him that you actually find out that he's Cybertronian. So, right. So, it's, it was a very... Intense issue. Yeah, for the first one. And yeah. it set it up pretty nicely. I really liked it, so. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll do another one here. Okay. Well, we'll do the we'll do the G.I. Joe Cobra one. That was pretty good. Okay. It's G.I. Joe Cobra, issue number eight. Uh, Costa, Gage, and Carrera. That's my notes on that here. This is actually a damn fine issue here. <laughs> this is a creepy-ass issue. You know what we should do? We should do uh, the Crockbuster one first. That's actually before this one. Crockmaster, you mean? Yeah, the Crockmaster. Crockbuster. <laughs> Skullbuster, Crockmaster. Let's go ahead and we'll, we'll do co- issue... The Cockbuster. The Crockmaster. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and we'll do issue seven of uh, G.I. Joe Cobra here. Okay. The origin of the Crockmaster. 
which is oh, which is also a messed up issue. Gaging Carrera. <laughs> These Cobra ones are kind of messed up. Yeah. Basically, what takes place here? We're in a you know Florida Everglades. A guy comes along. He goes. So you're the Croc Master, huh? So what he's doing is he's buying and selling illegal baby alligators, mm-hmm. taking them up city and stuff like that. And the man selling them, who's known as the Croc Master, is actually a, a guy who's alone. He has a son here who could be considered to be quite slow, yeah, educational wise. Yep. And he's pretty mean with the boy, and he slaps him around a lot. And his mom's dead, and he says, "You be, go out and feed those alligators, or I'll do what you what I did to your mom." And he's mistreating the boy, and the boy, you know, he doesn't really say much, and he just kind of feeds the chum to the alligators and whatever. But he he friends him, like yep. some kind of, like, moron idiot Sylvan or something. Yeah, he's able to, like, actually pet them and lay on them. Yeah, and, and he, they're like dogs with him and right. stuff like that. So any, anyway, the, the boy actually grows up, and since him caring for these alligators and being so kind to them throughout the years here, they, they respect him. Yep. And they grow to having a fondness with them like many other animals would, I guess. He sleeps with them. And- yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those kind of backwoodsy issues. Uh, well, he is from the South. It's South Florida, yeah. So who knows? Anyway, the... No offense, listeners from South Florida. Yeah. But, yeah, you know what you... You know you are. <laughs> anyway, the father and son, they have it out one day. And he pulls... A, the father pulls a gun on the son and it hits him in the face and smacks him around a little bit. And the son, actually, they're helping him carry this carcass off of this alligator that well, they the killed. Whole, it was his pet. Yeah, the whole reason that uh, the son went off was because all of a sudden he sees one of the uh, alligators or crocodiles skinned, hanging up. Yeah, because somebody that, paid a lot for the skin. To right. Belts in it and, and here it was his friend. His pet, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they help carry the carcass, and they're, they're going to go dispose of it, get rid of it here. And then they're carrying it together, and they walk out by the dock, and the son, mad in a rage here... Pushes the father off into the using the, the carcass, using the carcass here, <laughs> throws it in, and the other crocs are there, and he he gets the hook, and he's trying to his dad thinks he's going to help him out, throw that hook in here and save him, and he ends up slicing a big chunk out of his dad's head, head. with the hood, yep. the hook here, and it brings the blood in the water, and the crocodiles just go crazy and they devour the old man, yep, and you see the demented look on his son's yeah. face, which is crazier than hell, and then we get another guy coming off, and he looks like uh, some. City guys wearing a suit, three piece suit here, and he goes, yep. "Hey, uh, aren't you a little young here? You should be at school. Aren't you the Croc Master? Blah blah blah. You weren't the same guy here before." He's killed. Yep. <laughs> Asking too many questions, you snoop around, you get killed. And basically, what he does is the the son actually grows up, and he actually uh, becomes like a, a drug trafficker in between kind of guy. Right. So they drop off the money there, and they pick up the drugs, and he goes, but then he wants to save you from me just taking the drugs, killing you, and just taking the money and the drugs, and. He's, like, surrounded by all these alligators. You right. want to try something, just yeah. come on with it. And then he uses that money to be, like, this eco-terrorist. Yeah. Because he wants to save the swamps and everything else for Yeah, so what buddies. he does is people who come around to development and something, like he blows up their, you know, equipment, their bulldozers and whatnot, and uh, poachers and whatever like that who try to hunt out a season. He opens fire up on them and just shoots them and kills them. And, uh, and then we actually have a little extensive enterprises. Uh, Which is... Uh, Cobra. Yeah, Cobra. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, they come down and they tell him, like, look, hey, uh, you've been terrorizing a lot of people here. We're trying to develop this land. Maybe there's some use for you we can do. He goes, what, what's, you know, he goes, um, in Cobra, you can kill people and get away with it, and we don't care. Right. He's like, I'm in. All right. <laughs> well, and initially they said, well, let's make a deal and everything else. And he says, no, there's no, basically, no, there's no deal yeah, to be made yeah. here. 
and which is the response you would expect him to make with the type of person he is. Right. And then all of a sudden, the the one guy realizes, hey, throwing money his way isn't. Yeah, he work. doesn't want money. He just wants to. He wants to kill people. Kill people. So and be with his crocodiles. Right. So they use that as negotiating. And he goes, yeah, uh, I'm listening. Let's do this. So Venomous Maximus tells this to uh, Scoop here, Leonard. Again, we see Leonard here in another trance here. So yeah. he's got a... It's basically this whole Crocmaster story was a, a story to tell Scoop to kind of convince him that basically the coil is good for yeah, people it, it and helped, everything. it helped him out. Right. So it it's a messed up story. There's some awesome images and I and I when I say messed up, I mean messed up in a good way. Yeah, it's just a really cool origin story. The weird part is telling it now when Crockmaster is dead. Yeah, I, I, but, I didn't really get that either. So, and then we have another one. It's kind of like another GI Joe Cobra one spot here, but this one is uh, Costa Gaijin Carrera. This is GI Joe Cobra issue number eight, but this is the Skullbuster. Right. So I'll go ahead and read the notes on that here. Uh, Venomous Maximus and uh, Scoop here, which is Leonard Michaels, obviously. They're speaking, and he reminds them that he, you know, hey, didn't you win a Pulitzer Prize one time? And Leonard's like, I, yeah, but I'm kind of tired now. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to go to bed. And then he's awakened by a guard with a gun who says he wants Leonard to tell the story of the real Cobra Coil. That way people would believe him since he is a Pulitzer Prize winning, you know, author and Mm -hmm. not some guy who was in Cobra who's an axe to grind of vengeance or whatever. Right. So the the guard and his brother, who's an ex-Navy SEAL here, uh, they're in a plane and with a bunch of other soldiers, you know, Green Berets, stuff like that, the best of the best. And they're told that they got to go out on this combat training mission, and only one of them really is going to make it back alive. Yep. Uh, and then they're told to strip down, you know, butt naked, birthday suit here. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is where it gets creepy. Yeah, it's basically, <laughs> he, he's like, you're, you're going to be dropped off with nothing, and then he turns to all of them and says, since when did your clothing count as nothing? Yeah. So he's like, strip down. Parachutes, naked, let's go. Yep. Uh, and then they all strip down, and then they're ready to jump, and they're, um, yeah. Then they're introduced to Skullbuster, which is like, I consider him to be like the drill sergeant for Cobra, the oh, yeah. Sergeant Slaughter of Cobra. Except worse. Worse, yeah. <laughs> Except he kills. Uh, and he's naked. Yeah, and he's he's naked Slaughter, yeah. So actually, the, they, they get, some of the guys land together, a couple of them get stranded off, one guy gets stranded by himself here. They keep their shoots because they're naked, they use it to clothe themselves. Uh, the one guy actually buried his shoot, which is stretched, you know... Uh, it's, that's it's, standard it's standard issue. operation, yeah. yeah. For the night ops, and they want to be caught or nothing like that. They bury their shoots. And actually, with him burying his, his shoot there, he dies at night of cold exposure. Yep. Which is kind of messed up. Then the vultures come around and start picking at this guy because he's dead. And then they're like, well, we got to eat. Well, let's eat the vultures. Yep. So they just start tearing it apart. And the first guy who pukes is actually killed by Skullbuster here because he gets... Uh, uh, that's uh, weakness. Yeah. It's considered they, a sign of weakness. Cause, yeah, because they weren't allowed to cook yeah. these animals. Yeah. They just had to eat them as yeah. they were. And so. weakness is death. Yes. Uh, so then they start walking through the desert. They become delirious uh, because, again, no food, no water. Uh, cold. Cold, no clothes. <laughs> and a, a, a ranger dies. Then they come to an Afghanistan farm guarded by 20 Taliban soldiers. Uh, the remaining five exhausted nude soldiers, because they're still nude at this time. <laughs> right. Uh, they take out the guards, and there's only one casualty by doing that. They set fire to the farm, and they take their clothes and their weapons. Now, they set fire to it, they think, just because Skullbuster just wants to see it burn. Wants to see it burn. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. Then they came to another village. They took it out. They uh, One of them gets wounded, and ten miles later, he dies from his wounds. And then uh, one guy actually steps on a landmine, uh, leaving the guard and his brother, and Skullbuster, the only... 
three living members here. Right. They reach the evac point uh, to the chopper there, and actually two of them make it back. Because they were only until the beginning, right. one will make it back. It's actually him and his brother. The pilot tells Skullbuster, he goes, hey, I got some new recruits ready for you. And he goes, all right, great, we'll, we'll do it again next week. Yeah. And then they realize, they look at each other and realize, oh my god, this freaking guy does this every, every fucking week. week and he loves it. <laughs> and that there's no way out. And what the hell did we get into? What did we just join? The only way out is death. Then the, the two brothers look at each other and realize this, and the one jumps out of the chopper and just kills himself. Yeah. And then Skullbuster says, one. Yeah. And then holy shit. It, it, the character is yeah. fucked up. <laughs> Skullbuster is a, he's a bad mamma jam. Yeah. <laughs> Then the guard tells Leonard, here we pan back to that, if he tells him a story, he goes, I, I want you to tell this real story of the coil to the rest of the world on how they're just enslaving people. Yeah. And the up. logo of the comic actually kind of looks like the Punisher, which made me like it. So. Yeah. And you got a little bit of a... Yeah, uh, to drop on a little bit of interest, uh, just a little bit of factoids when it comes to Crockmaster and Skullbuster. I'm not going to read their file cards because it's pretty in-depth and you kind of got <laughs> some background on them anyways. Um, but there were figures produced. There were figures produced. Uh, the Skullbuster might be one you don't want to own because he looks all purple. He looks like he fought for Rainbow Bright. Right. <laughs> he doesn't look like the badass that. Uh, no, he doesn't. What, what year was that figure? Uh, that figure came out in two thousand two. Two thousand two, still a real American hero line. Right. And they did on his file card the one quote that he does have that I think ties perfectly into the issue you just covered. He said. Because uh, they always put little quotes on here. He said, any wimp with a, a scout handbook, a Swiss army knife, and a compass can survive. Right. It was like, you're <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. So anyways, the figure, uh, Skullbuster, was released as part of the 18th series. Yeah. Uh, carded in a two-pack with Heavy Duty. That's the only way you got them. Right. Uh, Skullbuster came with a black sound attack machine gun, a black machine pistol, and a black backpack. I do not have this figure. No. And Nor do I want it. He was created from the same mold as the Range Viper from 1990. Yeah, as a repaint. The Rock Viper version 2 from 2000 and the Range Viper version 2 from 2006. Right. Uh, Master, uh the original version came out in 1987. Right. And Master came with a green alligator, a tan whip, a black leash, and a black mouthpiece. And Crockmaster's body is completely original. All new body parts. Right. None of his parts were used in other figures. Nope. They did a re-release of him in 2008, and Crockmaster came with a brown whip, a silver air tank, a a silver pistol, a green crocodile with movable jaw, and a black chain leash and black display stand. Uh, That was the 25th anniversary one. Right, exactly. Okay. Now, they also did a 2005 version, and this was the whole Venom versus Valor. Valor versus Venom. Yeah, that series. Uh, Crockmaster version 2 was released as part of the 21st uh, series, carded with a 2-pack with Bomb Strike as part of the Valor vs. Venom line. Crockmaster came with black rifle, a black machete, and a green crocodile. Crockmaster was created using an entirely new mold, and the figure, uh, figure featured injection-molded shoulders. Yeah. So, whatever that means. So, there you have it. So, so there you go. There's a couple of figures of those guys, so uh, if you have them, get them. If you don't, yeah, to hell with them. Then don't. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the Hearts and Minds Yeah, issue. go ahead. Yeah, then I'll finish up with uh, Real American Hero here okay. the ongoing. Going into the G.I. Joe Hearts and Minds issue here, uh, we have Doctor. this is Dr. Mindbender and Doc, and you'll find that this these stories were very similar to each other. Right. Uh, which I really liked. So going into Dr. Mindbender, we get a glimpse at various projects Dr. Mindbender has worked on through his many years. 
while we're doing this, we go on to read his inner monologue where he says, ethics and morality are obsolete shackles of lesser minds and minds too primitive and frightened to embrace their divine gift. He chose neither right nor wrong, good nor evil, but rather knowledge, enlightenment, and growth. He thinks this, uh, this way because just as children are raised to replace their parents, someday we shall replace God. Yeah. So he basically thinks of he himself thinks as a God. God. Yeah. yeah. So going into Doc, and there's a lot of other stuff that happens through the projects. I'm going to leave that for you guys to actually read. Uh, but that's the gist of his mindset. Right. Uh, same thing with Doc. Uh, Doc, we get glimpses into various events in Doc's uh, service as a doctor. Yeah, it's different events that help shape them and become the people, exactly. the man that they are. And while that's going on, we actually get to hear his inner monologue where he says he will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures required. He remembers that warmth, sympathy, and understanding may outweigh the sciences of saving lives. He remembers that he is a member of society, not above it. He knows he has the power to save a life and to take a life. But knowing all of this, the most important thing to him to remember is that he will not play God. Right. So Dr. Mindbender thinks he is a God. God. And one knows knows he's not going to play that God role. So that's basically those issues. And then we go into the next time we're going to go into... uh, Blowtorch and a Cobra recruit. Right, I, I do like Blowtorch. Is one of my favorite guys there. Yeah. Um, I, I only wish they would have done Doc here without the the beard. Yeah. Just press. press. He looks uh, looks a little uh, Denzel Washington look. He there. does. He does. I thought that was too much. And uh, just to let you know, the Doctor Mindbender. Both stories were done by Max Brooks, but Doctor Mindbender, the artist, was Howard Chaikin, and artist on the Doc story was Antonio Fuso, which is pretty much how it's been going. Right. Chaikin seems to be doing the Cobra characters story, and Antonio Fuso seems to be doing the uh, Joe characters. So. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll do G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, issue number 158. Uh, Larry Hama and uh, Padilla, P-A-D-I-L-L-A. Okay. Might be Padilla. Padilla, yeah. Okay. Uh, again, Real American Hero, issue 158 here. Loving this story, how it goes. Oh, yeah. So we start off here in the storm drain system, under the uh, deep under the Cobra Silent Castle. Here we see Snake Eyes and Scarlet. They're getting ready to go through the drain to get into the castle. Here, Doctor Mindbender tells Cobra Commander that surveillance cameras have been malfunctioning, and he sends an eel uh, dispatch there to go investigate it. Storm Shadow then sneaks up on Cobra Commander and tells him that security's been breached. Snake Eyes and Scarlet they see the eel, they take him out. And then some local guys driving up to close by the storm drain entrance there and in front of the castle there. They see a gypsy van parked and they decide, you know, some gypsies here. Let's go ahead and kick in the doors and uh, rough this guy up a bit. And then we pan back to Snake Eyes and Scarlet. They come up from the storm drain and they're attacked by Storm Shadow inside the castle. He puts a sword through Snake Eyes' leg, which is badass. Yep. And then Snake Eyes uh, hits him in the back of the head knocks him out for a little bit here. Snake Eyes then takes the sword out of his leg. And he drops to his knees. Which, I'm sorry, I could never do that. Yeah. I have uh, a sword in my leg, it's staying there. <laughs> yeah. Scarlet kind of bandaged up the wound here and carries Snake Eyes uh, to finish the mission, which is the cover of the comic, which I like that. Yep. Having to be saved by a woman, our great big ninja. Uh, <laughs> then we pan to the Pentagon here. So uh, much hate for Snake Eyes. It's not hate, it's just... <laughs> I, if you're going to make G.I. Joe one character, I don't. I wouldn't make it that character. But <laughs> We pan back to the Pentagon You'd here. you make it Flint, right? No. <laughs> Shipwreck, come on, dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd make a cover girl personally. But. With Wayne Strong, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Snake eyes move over because Scarlet and Cover Girl are going to just start kissing on the covers. Right. 
Uh, back at the Pentagon here, Hawk is discovered. Uh, he's in disguise. Uh, he tries to get past security here, but he's discovered and recognized. He's shot at, and they, they trap him in a corner in a janitor's closet. Yep. And then we get a little picture here. We see the Baroness and Billy again in another embrace, and it's not really said what's going on with that. Is there something romantic going on with that? It could be. Who knows? Blah, blah, blah. But in front of the castle door, we're back to that here. The locals bring the gypsy out of the van here to the castle, and uh, Destro and Dr. Mindbender bring a platoon of bats with him to come check it out. And it actually turns out it was Duke inside the van here. And Destro knows him as Duke, so I like that already. That yeah. He already knows him. They're picking up the same continuity. Uh, and he's a G.I. Joe, and he puts uh, the castle on red alert. Suddenly, Roadblock, Rock and Roll, and Stalker come out of hiding from the van, and they come out guns blazing. Yep. And Duke kicks Destro right in the face. That's my next thing. Duke kicks Destro, uh, and, and he gets away, and Mainframe actually gives Duke a 12-gauge shotgun, and then a Joe's Battle Cobra. Yep. Back at the Pentagon, uh, the U.S. military blows the janitor door to get Hawk and discover there's a steel door there keeping him from getting him, so he buys him a little bit more time. Uh, the Joes keep battling Cobra, uh, Baroness and Billy. They actually go to Cobra Commander's throne room, and they try to find him there to tell him what's going on, and it's empty, but he's actually behind the throne trying to get into his battle armor. So the battle armor Cobra Commander. Yep. Then we go back to Destro and Mindbender here. Uh, they retreat, and they leave the, the bats to fight the Joes, and Zartan is uh, seen in the hallway here, and he's told to stall the Joes, so he changes himself into Snake Eyes, Yep. which is going to get cool. Going to cause some confusion. Yeah. Back at the Pentagon here, uh, the U.S. Army, they break into the closet, they blow the door, and Hawk is seen uh, on the phone uh, at a little desk here, and he tells the troops, uh, hey, somebody much higher on the food chain here wants to speak to you guys personally. Yeah, And we end. So you think he's on the bat phone there talking to the president or something. Yeah. It's... This has been nonstop action Action. since it started. I love it. So it's awesome. Yeah. Alright. Uh, yeah, one more. You got one quickly. more? Yeah, it's just the last one I've oh, got, yeah. so I'll just do it. Yep. The the IDW G.I. Joe um, ongoing issue here, number 22, Dixon and Cal. So then, uh, notes here, what we got here is Scarlet actually saves Mainframe. If you remember, he was swept away in the tsunami. Yep. She saves him, and then they make contact to the ship uh, with Deep Six in it, then they make contact to the shipwreck and the sub. Uh, the Cobra Commander orders the sub-captain to retake the sub, uh, the Dreadnought. Which is not Dreadnought, but Dreadnought. Not. <laughs> then the Cobra Commander actually tells the Baroness he wants to meet her later in his private quarters. So she's thinking, hey, maybe I'll get a promotion out of this or a little, uh, little bow chicka bow wow. Right, a little action. Exactly. So back on the sub here, uh, the team finds the, a Cobra Chopper. This is the sub they overtook, the Dreadnought. They find a Cobra Chopper, and Keelhaul tells him, you know, hey, I've got some chopper experience here. So he takes off and he goes to scout out and see what's going on above. Keelhaul tells him, hey, we got two, uh, you know, submersibles coming your way toward the sub. The Joes get ready to be boarded. Keelhaul fires a couple of missiles here, and he nails one of the, the underwater subs, subs there. Yeah. yeah, But another one gets through, and they're actually boarded. And then the, the Joes actually have to fight back. Wetsuit, he actually gets shot in the leg, so yep. they kind of pussy him up already. So I love it. <laughs> I liked Wetsuit. <laughs> I did too, but you know what? I like Torpedo better. And he oh, was like a poor man's Torpedo. Oh, see, I like Wetsuit better. I don't know. I'm more of the original. We're going to start a whole new debate again. No, 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 we're not. We're not. <laughs> Both of them are just frogmen. You put a mask on it. Uh, and Torpedo looks like he goes overboard here a little bit, like he's swept overboard, mm-hmm. if you see the panels. Yeah. So um, then Keelhaul throws a couple of grenades at the enemy sub because it surfaced, and, he, and he, he drops a couple of bombs there, and he, he rattles it around, takes it out a little bit here. And then the Joe's on the captured sub... 
Uh, they take out the last of the Cobra soldiers. Uh, the Joes actually take Wetsuit back to the sick bay here. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, battle here we're leaving out, but again, yeah. you guys can read it. Yep. Uh, the Joes on Cobra Island, or the island, Cobra Island, but the island where they were before, where the tsunami, those Joes end up getting rescued. Uh, the Baroness goes to Cobra Commander's quarters wearing a black evening gown, looking all hot. Yep. Uh, and actually, who comes in? It's not the Cobra Commander, but it's Destro. Yep. And he's wearing a Cobra uniform. Yeah, and that's where we leave off that issue there. So it's actually pretty cool. I love the the scene as on page fourteen of Cover Girl with the giant gun. Yeah, that's where we, Yo, get our, Yo we get our first Yojo. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And this issue, this series is finally starting to build up action too. Yeah, we're in issue number twenty two, and it's yeah. finally it's finally got the good action going on. And the thing to remember is that this series and the GI Joe Origins and GI Joe Cobra. Pretty much, from what I can tell, are supposed to all tie in together. Right. The right. same universe. Whereas G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, is picking up it's the Marvel continuity. Marvel continuity, yeah. So you have to just keep in mind when you're reading these that it's two different, two separate, two yeah. different uh, timelines. Because, so. again, I like what I said, where Destro knows Duke is Duke and right. the uh, Real American Hero. So that I like that better because I already know all the story and back stuff. So right. just pick up where we left off. Yeah. So the last G.I. Joe issue to cover is G.I. Joe Origins number 18, which is the final part of the three-part uh, Zartan origin story. Right. So we open up this, and Cobra is scrambling to track down Zartan. Zartan has a transponder on him, so that's going to help him track him down. Uh, they catch up to him, and Zartan asks them to let him vanish, just let me disappear. And they refuse, so he takes down a couple of them and then goes down into the subway station. He almost gets away, but the orderly that he impersonated to escape yeah. tracks him down also because he's kind of like pissed at him. Yeah. And Zartan tackles the orderly and throws him into the subway tracks just before the subway comes and crushes the orderly. Yeah. The rest of the Cobra group comes to the mess and finds the transponder in the mess and assumes that Zartan's actually Zartan dead. Zartan was killed, yeah. The only thing I didn't like with that is I was like, what the hell is this orderly doing here? It just didn't make sense why Orderly's helping to track him down. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know. I thought maybe I, at first like he got off of work and he's going yeah. to go home on the subway, but I'm like, eh, I don't know what that is. I think it's just he had a personal vendetta because he's like, you used I me. think we needed a random body yeah. to throw in the subway oh, yeah. and get hit by the train. So it's just um, this guy. So Zartan impersonates the Orderly again and goes back into the base, and Zartan confronts Dr. Yeah, Taggart. he goes back into Snake Slayer. I love <laughs> you're, it. You're an idiot. <laughs> I know. Where will they never look for me? Back you're, either, you're either really brave or really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> They'll never um, think to look for me back in my cage. So, so he confronts Dr. Taggart, and he says uh, he wants to know who he is. He wants to be Zartan, because if you remember, he's actually like this <laughs> gelatinous form that looks yeah. like Zartan. He has all the, the traits of him, but he doesn't have the memory. He doesn't but know who not, he is. But he actually wasn't Zartan. He must get to know who Zartan was. And so Zartan force, forces Dr. Taggart to call Cobra Commander and, offer a de- and he offers a Cobra Commander a deal. He says he'll work for Cobra like Zartan did before this whole thing happened, but he'll also have these new abilities, which could be very beneficial. Uh, but he has three conditions. Number one, he wants his freedom. Yeah. Number two, he wants his own unit with Cobra's organization with people Zartan chooses. And the only thing I could think of right then was Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts. <laughs> I'm like, the oh, Dreadnoughts yeah. are coming. Yeah. This is going to be sweet. I want the next Origins to be the Dreadnoughts. <laughs> and then the third is that he feels that only Cobra Commander and Zartan should know the secret, which basically means that Dr. Taggart gets to die. Somebody's got to kill this guy. So he shoots Dr. Taggart, 
And then Cobra Commander's like, well, where are you going? He says, I'm going home. Yeah. So then we see him back in the alley where this whole story first started when he was a little kid, and he was a kid looking at the Zartan poster, and the cop who had stopped him as a kid recognizes him now as an adult, and Zartan says, uh, he says, I recognize you, and Zartan's like, that was a different time, and he jabs the cop in the throat and taking the guy down. Yeah, I like it. And it's just awesome. Uh, It was really cool. Now the next issue that we have coming up looks like it's a Snake Eyes origin story. That's what I thought, yeah. (laughs) Um, Now the cool thing, the flip side of the Snake Eyes origin story is in the regular ongoing G.I. Joe, we got Storm Shadow showing up for the first First time time. in that series. So that's really cool. Alright, so I got two Star Wars comics to cover and then we can jump into our top five list. Yeah. Um, or toy review, whatever you want to do. Uh, but I'm going to cover The Old Republic, number three, which uh, you can flip through that while I'm going through it. But basically, this is the final issue of this story arc. Now, issue number four is going to start a whole new story arc with whole new characters. So if you want to jump on board on issue number four, you're certainly supposed to be able to. Yeah, this is Thread of Peace, part right. three. So on Narshada... Uh, Braden is told by Nock that he needs uh, that Nock needs Braden to take the schematics to Dantooine that Braden actually obtained for him. Then we look at the Jedi Enclave and Lieutenant Tavis and Jedi uh, Knight Fortress. They meet up with each other, and Fortress explains that to Tavis that the bombing of the Senate building, which we thought Braden did, was actually done by some of the Jedi who knew that the un- Empire had spies in the Senate and were forcing the treaty to occur. Lord Angrel, who's one of the uh, Sith Lords, is told that someone on Lord Barriss's ship was ordered to attack the transport envoy, uh, which had Master Darnala and everything on that. Brayden is then captured by Jedi Knight Orgus and says that he has, uh, Brayden tells him he had nothing to do with the bombing, but to catch who did have something to do with it, they need to go to Dantooine. Lord Angro and Lord Barriss actually meet up with each other and they duel, but they come to realize that they need to work together to uncover the truth, and to bring their plans to completion. Jedi Knight Orgus brings Brayden to Dantooine and meets Jedi Knight Satelli. And upon hearing her name, Brayden tells her that Master Darnala wanted her to know that Lord Barris ordered the attack on the envoy. So Lord Barris is thinking that Angrel had something yeah, to do with it. He did, yeah. And now they're being told that Lord Barris had something to do with it, so what the hell's going on? At the Jedi Enclave, uh, Lord Tavis is shown that Master Darnala is actually not dead. So the Shakti-looking character yeah. that we thought got fried, uh, she's actually not dead, and she's actually mentally controlling now Dalbora, which is the Wookiee. Hmm. Lieutenant Tavis thinks that what they did is treason, but after listening to them, he agrees to come with them to where Lord Barris will be upon his arrival on Dantooine. Uh, Satelli finds Espy, the droid, uh, finds the remains, and is able to find out that they all went to the Jedi Enclave, so that's where she's going to go also. Right. We end up finding in an uh, ancient crystal cave, Lord Barris and Lord Angrel are met by Master Darnala, Fortress, and Lieutenant Tavis, and Delbora, who intend to take them down. Uh, we start to see Master Darnala's eyes are yellow like a Sith. Yeah, yeah, I saw the, the kooky eyes here. Yeah. And I saw that crystal cave, too. And the only thing I thought about me, because I do have kids and I've watched this, is Dragon Tales. Okay. <laughs> they have a crystal cave, and uh, it kind of looks just like that. I think that might be where the uh, Jedi crystals come from for the their lightsabers. lightsabers yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, go she, with that as opposed to Dragon Tales, right? <laughs> Which is but uh, Master Darnalo, yeah, she's starting to look like she's giving into her hatred. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Satelli arrives and starts to fight Lord Barris, and she finds out that Master Darnalo actually ordered the attack on the envoy. So okay. she's the one that actually was ordered, working the whole yeah. thing going on. Ordered to hit, and this was to help prevent the peace treaty from continuing because she doesn't want peace with the Sith. She wants to take them down. Take them down, right? Uh, Lord Barris tries to recruit Satelli to his side to ensure peace because Lord Barris actually does want peace. Yeah. As a Sith Lord. Satelli refuses, but knows that Master Darnala has given into the dark side. Master Darnala tries to strike down Lieutenant Tavis since she senses Satelli's feelings for him. But Fortress, uh, Genetic Fortress stops her because he realizes, shit, I just backed the wrong pony. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Place your bets. <laughs> so he's like, uh, so then Master Darnala orders Delbora to finish Fortress off, but Delbora actually has been the sleeper agent the whole time. And he slashes her face off. There's a lot of slashing of faces. A lot of faces off. coming off on this uh, podcast here. This um, one should have been called Face Off. Yeah, and she dies. Well, so of course, yeah. This time, for sure. Not a robot. Right. Uh, both parties leave, and Lord Angrel tells Barris that he is done playing by his rules. So Lord Angrel doesn't want peace, but he played by Barris's rules yeah. for a while. We also find out that Satelli's bloodline goes back to Darth Reven. If mm. you remember from Knights of the Old Republic with, you know... All those characters, they actually land on a planet, and we heard about Reven as a Jedi Knight, and how he eventually becomes, we we know that he eventually becomes a Sith Lord. Okay. So this is kind of tying back to all that, that Satelli has a bloodline that goes back to Darth Reven. So a lot of Jedis become Siths. Yeah, basically. They give in to um, hate. Issue, the issue actually closes with Brayden being free. Okay. And he finishes, because they found out he had nothing to do with anything. Right. Uh, he finishes his hunt of Dalbora. The Wookiee. The Wookiee, yeah. And he shoots him and says, this time I got you. Yeah. And he's actually wearing a Mandalorian mask and armor. Yeah, he looked kind of like Boba Fettish. Yeah. So, evidently, he might be Mandalorian. I don't know. And he just laying there next to the dead Wookiee. He's like, yeah, this time I got you. Yep. So, now going into Blood Ties, which is uh, Star Wars Blood Ties. And actually, let me just say real quick, the writer and artist on Thread of Peace, the writer was Rob Chesney, and art was Alex Sanchez. So... Uh, Blood Ties... I really didn't care much for the art in this one, but Blood Ties is really... Blood Ties has got... This is going to go up as my favorite artist of the year, probably. One of my favorite artists. One of, yeah, okay. The script is by Tom Taylor, and the art is by Chris Scalf. And if you remember last issue, or last episode, when Earth 616 sent us an autograph, I said it was Chris Scalf, and he did Blood Ties... This is the Blood Ties. I thought it was a book cover, yeah. but it's actually the artist that did this. He also did the art in that Purge episode we covered a while back. Right, right. So this is pretty... I like that, too. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you can look through that while I'm covering yeah, this here. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. It was a good read. Yeah. One of the few ones, you can jump right on. One of the few Star Wars books you actually read. So True. Yeah. <laughs> Don't deny it. I'm, um, not, I'm not. I'm just saying. All right, so it opens up with Boba Fett being surrounded uh, by a bunch of guys with guns pointed at him. And there's actually a rancor behind them. Uh, but he's not afraid because he, he has known true fear in his past. Right. So he thinks back to yeah. when... As what a, married guy hasn't. Right. <laughs> I don't think he's married, though. Oh, Boba, no. He has a kid, so... Well, Django has a kid. Boba doesn't. Boba doesn't, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he thinks back to... Uh, Boba Fett thinks back to when he was... When, as a kid, he was in a cave with Django Fett... And Jango Fett strapped a jetpack to him and sprayed him with the scent of a pardlam beast, which is the prey of the Balyeg, which looks like a cross between the Crate Dragon and a Rancor. So those two Star Wars creatures. It's yeah. kind of a cross between the two. And then Jango tells Boa he must retrieve a tooth from yeah, the beast. Give me a tooth. Yeah. 
And uh, Django later on, he does retrieve the tooth, and Django tells Boba that... What the hell? Yeah, he's like, he basically explains the reason why he did that was, now that Boba has faced that, he never need fear again. Right. Uh, so then we get Count Dooku contacts Jango Fett to hunt down a man who never removes his helmet, but has sensitive information that must not fall into the wrong hands, and Dooku cannot be perceived as being a part of this whole thing. Jango travels to the planet at Zeri in the Talos system. There, some guys saying they are traffic control try to get Jango to pay a landing fee. They're like, hey, yeah. you, you know the drill, you gotta pay us a landing fee. And Jango Fett identifies himself, and the one guy's like, oh shit, we didn't know it was yeah. you. Yeah. And he's like, well, is, well, but wait, is there any way you can prove to us that you're actually Jango Fett? And so Jango Fett fires two missiles at their ship and blows yeah, them off. Yeah, I can do it. I can kill you. <laughs> there you go. So then Jango uh, brings Boba with him to help complete the mission. Django teaches Boba that it's always best to neutralize a target without direct confrontation. Uh, he he has Boba sniper shot the, the guy that they're looking for, but the helmet saves the target. Uh, Django flies down where the fight is. I'm sorry, he flies down, and then they get into a fight, and during the fight, Django's helmet actually falls, comes falls off, off. Yeah. and he then blasts the target in the chest. The guy is on the ground and says, I know you, and he's like... I don't care. Yeah. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I know you. And he, the guy takes off his helmet and reveals that he has the same face as Django Fett. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that means that he is a clone. Yeah. I assume that's what it is. I thought it was Django Fett. But, <laughs> or it could be some type of weird blood relation, like a twin yeah, or something. Like, yeah. We don't know. Yeah, because it's called blood ties. Right. I assume that it's a, I assume that it's a clone. A clone. But, uh, but we'll see. So, not a whole lot in this issue about Boba Fett. No. As a bounty hunter, no, just but to, it's going to have it's going tie, to have some yeah. ties into Boba Fett as a bounty hunter. So, so it was a good, it's a good setup. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, art wise, that was my favorite issue it's, out it's, of all the issues good. they covered. It's, it's not bad. It's good. I, yeah. I, I like the art in the Transformers stuff a little bit better. It's yeah, just kind you, of. You're uh, not big on the realistic looking. Yeah, art. it's kind of you know. Um, it's good. I'm not saying it's horrible. But as far as story wise goes, I have to go with the Skullbuster story. That was my favorite one, because I read that and I go, this guy's fucked up. Oh, really? I like yeah. the Drift. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, the Skullbuster one, like I said, the guy was just so messed I, up. Drift I Drift like, and a real awesome. American hero, because that's just starting to kick some ass. Oh, yeah. Right that's just... That's been consistently good. Yeah, I know. So, oh, also, speaking of G.I. Joe, do you want to correct, make a couple of your corrections that somebody called oh, you out Oh, yeah, on? shit. A couple episodes back, I referred to uh, a G.I. Joe Malloway exclusive figure with the G.I. Joe serial as being Starfighter. It's actually Star Duster. You were thinking of our forum member. Starfighter, yeah. So, And there was another one in the comic books, so the Marvel run. I, I said at the end of the Marvel run, General Hawk was actually in a wheelchair. It wasn't the Marvel run. It was actually in the Devil's Due. Right. So, my bad. All right, so uh, we're going to do uh, one toy review, I yeah. think, this time, and then we will we have our top fives. And then we're done. And then we're done. Going into our uh, Kung Fu Grip. Kung Fu Grip. All right, well, Chuck, since we started with the Drift storyline here, I actually have Drift. All right. Uh, they've actually made a figure of him, and he is uh, marked as Generations. He's kind of tough to find in the stores. Yeah, I have seen him a couple times. I've seen him a couple times. Toys R Us or Target. But he's usually you find one, maybe two of them. Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of the other figures, you there could can be multiple, find yeah. quite a few of he them. might be uh, randomly packed or, you know... Yep. Limited in the packaging or something, but now he's a, he's a really nice figure. Now he's a intermediate level, 
Uh, which, which means I can transform them. You can transform them. It also means that basically once you learn how to transform them once, you can pretty much remember how to transform them. You don't have to go back to the instructions again. I did need the instructions a little bit to figure out how to transform them, but most of it was pretty intuitive. Yeah. Um, the thing I really like that they're doing nowadays with the Transformers is once they're in robot form, they actually have articulation. Yeah, they have knee and elbow joints. So you can, can actually like move them around yeah. and everything. Um, the thing I really like with this character... Uh, this figure is he has a giant samurai sword, but he also has twin swords. Yeah, like katana blades. Little katana like blades. And the cool thing with the katana blades is they fold, they go into little sheaths inside of his side there. That end up being the doors of the car. Yeah. And then they the handles actually fold in when you transform him into a vehicle. So this way you never have to store his accessories. You like that. I, I mean, love that. And actually, I think the sword actually does clip in on the bottom of the car. Which is very cool. Yeah. Now, the one thing I know you didn't really care for, but I actually really liked, is he does have the Autobot symbols on his shoulders, on both shoulders. Yeah, on both of them. I thought maybe it's kind of just overkill, because it's too uniform. I thought maybe if there was just one, it would be okay, yeah. but... I'm, I'm not, it's not, yeah. nothing that's going to, it's not life or death. Or yeah, to detract like any points or anything um, from it. But this is, there. to me, this is my favorite Transformers figure I think I may have ever owned. He's just awesome. He He's definitely, he's, a, he's an awesome sweet, car. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a white kind of sports car with some Japanese writing on the door. Yep. It's white with some red lettering and some Japanese yep. writing on the door. And he's a total ninja badass. Yeah, so he's, he's meant to be looking all ninja esque. And he does have the knee articulation, uh, the hip articulation, his little toes, feet bend here. And then, uh, and wrists do he, they bend inside inwards yeah, and inward, they rotate yeah. on at he's the got an elbow and the, the elbow. shoulder and yep. his, his his head does spin around here. You get a little effect with that and you, you do see as I pointed out to you at the top of the head yep. a little light piping in there so you can, his eyes will light up here a little bit so all in all it's, it's a really nice figure it's yeah. making me actually want to go buy one which I yeah. hate you for that <laughs> they did a nice job with him they did uh, they, and he looks really badass like you said in robot form yeah. so. and I hope they do more like him definitely go ahead and pick it up and add it to your collection as much as I'm enjoying this comic book the first one if I enjoy the, the next couple that I think I will I will definitely be picking this guy picking up. Picking this guy up, yeah. yeah. And you'll you'll be able to see the full review on our website. Uh, I'll have pictures up there. I'll probably have multiple pictures, obviously, since he transforms and everything. Um, probably. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's just an uh, amazing transformer. Uh, so I, And he's not too bad. He's 15, 14 bucks, yeah. depending on where you buy it at. And he's a mid-sized transformer, so you yeah, kind of ex- expect to, to pay that much for it. The price him, point's so. okay for what you're getting. Yep. So, uh, all right, well, let's uh, finish off the show with our Battle Files. Battle All right, Chuck. Well, uh, we took uh, another suggestion from yeah. from a listener, and uh, this, this w- could cause a lot of controversy, yeah. a lot of discussion on the forums, and we could take a lot of shit. Well, I'm going to take a lot of shit for this. I know this is. Uh, we're going to do top five uh, musical bands, music groups, yeah, and, bands, and top five uh, musician singers, solos, solo artists, solo artists. So. I did have like a, a honorable mention for each one, which I'll I'll mention at one point. Because there's just so many. There's just so many. Yeah, it's just hard. So I'm actually going to just throw out my honorable mentions right away. Okay. Um, just so, so you're aware of who they were and that they didn't make my list. Uh, but for bands, uh, my honorable mention was Def Leppard. You don't have to mention if they're on your list or not. But Def Leppard, I love all their stuff. It's just they just didn't make my top five for a reason. It's because my fifth one was kind of a guilty pleasure band that I've always liked. So that's my number five one. Abba. No, <laughs> I, I thought about saying Abba, yeah. but uh, I, I actually had two that I really thought and fought over that didn't really make the list, and okay. it was actually 
Death Leopard, okay. and the Eagles. Okay. So those two honorable mentions. Sure. And then my other my other honorable mention for solo artists was, and this is for personal reasons, was Neil Diamond. And I'm not making a joke of that. Uh, it honestly was an honorable mention because I grew when I was growing up, that's what was played in my house. Yeah, same thing here. Um, I actually went and saw Neil Diamond impersonator in Vegas. It was awesome. Yeah, Neil Diamond. He's a singer, songwriter. Yeah. And he's great. And like Classic. I said, I just grew up with him. He just didn't make it onto my list. So we're going to start with our bands. Yeah, let's um, start with the bands. You want to go ahead and start first? Yeah, I'll do number, uh, start here, number five. Okay. Uh, number five band for me, I have Queen. Okay. Uh, Freddie Mercury, Brian May, Roger Taylor, John Deacon. Yep. Uh, the original members of Queen. Solid stuff. Yeah, um, how can you fight it? I mean, yeah. We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions, Another One Bites the Dust, yep. Bohemian Rhapsody. That You could go on forever with the song. Absolutely. Classic, um, classic band. I, I think it's uh, One Dream, I think is the one yeah, song. One Vision. From, one Vision. Uh, I remember that from Iron Eagle. Yeah, they did, they did Flash Gordon. Yeah, so, you so know, gotta love them. My number five, like you said, is a kind of a guilty pleasure one. What do you got, Casey and his lunch band? No, Poison. Ah, Jesus. In the 80s, that was my band. Yeah. That was the band I followed. But all-time Poison? Because throughout the entire 80s, that's who I listened to. Okay. And I went and saw them in concert. I'm not going to say that. I, I like, like Poison. I like all their music. I like Poison. I even like their later stuff. I do, too. So, I actually have a little bit of detail. It's real quick, though. Uh, Poison was formed in 1983 under the name Paris and consisted of lead vocalist Brett Michaels, guitarist Matt Smith, bassist Bobby Dahl, and drummer Ricky Rocket. Yeah. They moved to Los Angeles in 1984, and Matt Smith was like, just like, you know what, uh, I'm not really sure how this whole thing's going to go, because he's he just became a father and everything else, so he's concerned about the band's future, so he left, yeah. and then they auditioned C.C. DeVille. Yeah, he came in, yeah. Yeah, Matt made a really stupid move. <laughs> That's when they started taking off and getting yeah. some money. So, so some of my favorite songs by them were Every Rose Has Its Thorn, It's the Ultimate Ballad. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Every one of those 80s rock guys had uh, ballads. So. Cry Tough, I Won't Forget You, Fallen Angel, Something to Believe In. Yeah. Just some of the songs Talk I really Dirty love. to Me. Yeah. It's a classic. Nothing But a Good Time. I'm looking for Nothing But a Good Time. Yeah, yeah. so. All right, so Poison was my number five. Okay. Uh, number four, I actually had uh, CCR, Creedence Clearwater oh, yeah. Revival. Yeah. Great band. Uh, actually, they consist of John Fogarty and Tom Fogarty, which are brothers, uh, Stu Cook and Doug Clifford. Okay. CCR was big. Oh, I love late them. late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. So um, I got their greatest hits. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rolling on a river. Proud like, Mary. Proud Mary. Yeah. yeah, this is a bunch of classic songs. Bathroom on the right. Yeah, there's a bathroom <laughs> on the right. So. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine actually has a book that's most misquoted lyrics, and one of them is that it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. And My, he actually, uh, John Fogarty actually went on to have a nice kick-ass solo career. Oh too, yeah, so. he did. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy him as a solo artist too. But my number four. I don't think I'll get any argument from you on this one. In fact, you might even have it on your list somewhere. Journey. Journey is an American rock band formed in 1973 in San Francisco. The members were Neil Sean as lead guitar and vocals, Ross Valerie, uh, Jonathan Kane. These are the current members, by the way. Uh, I'll say that's not the original. Yeah, Dean Castronova and Arnell Panita. The one that... From but, my, but from <laughs> my time period... Yeah. It's Steve Perry. It's Steve Perry. Yeah, uh, that's it's a journey. It's Steve Perry. Now, here's something funny I found out about Steve Perry. Now, my this is how out of touch I am with where these people are nowadays. Mm-hmm. I thought Steve Perry died. No, no, he's alive. No, he's alive. I was like, well, that must be why he left the group because he died. No, no, he just left. Yeah, he's just out. So here's something funny I found out about him, and they don't want him back. No, 
Because uh, the new guy's that good. Perry, he sounds just like him, that's why. Yeah. He's a little uh, oriental gentleman who sounds just, just like, like Steve, Steve Perry. Perry yeah. You don't see that voice coming out of that face. No. But it's great. Um, Steve Perry actually recently rekindled a childhood interest in cattle and dairy farming. Yeah. And is currently has an interest in a small bovine insemination business in Central Valley. Did you know? <laughs> Behind the music with Chuck he, and Ryan. So he wants to inseminate cows. Who don't? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Next. Uh, but anyways, I just want to mention a few songs. Wheel in the Sky, Don't Stop Believing, Open Arms, Separate Ways, and Faithfully. Yeah. Some of the best ones they've ever done. So, Alright, so uh, go ahead with your uh, next Number one. three, um, Kiss. Okay. Yeah. Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, the original lineup. It, Kiss was, without a doubt, one of the best bands ever. Yeah. They opened their show with, you wanted the greatest band, or the best band in the land, or something like that. You you wanted the best, you got the best. Uh, what was the fuck does it go again? I don't know. You wanted the best, you got the best, uh, hardest working band sh- or sh- in show business. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. I, I'm hardest working band in show business. I don't I think, think that's it. I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you guys, Kiss Army, you guys know what it is, and I'm... Apologize, uh, but <laughs> yeah, fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, rock and roll all night, party every day. Yeah, awesome. Uh, they used to do God gave rock and roll to you. I love that. That's kind of hokey. I love uh, that song. I'm sorry. I heard that in Bill and Ted's ex or Bogus Journey. Yeah, and I was like, oh, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> like, and they did. Uh, they did with the makeup. They did without the makeup. Detroit they did Rock City. Love Gun. Detroit yeah. Rock City. Yeah, everything. Even. Uh, Heaven's on Fire. And yep. One of my favorite songs from the uh, non-makeup years was Lick It Up. Oh, yeah. Every song Kiss did is about sex. Oh, yeah. And they, they make no bones about it. No. We're in it for the money, and right. we're in it for the chicks. Yep. And that's what we're about. Yep. We're not in it for the music. <laughs> the music makes us money and gets us chicks. Right. <laughs> that's what we do. So I like that. Uh, my number three, I know I won't get any argument from you because it was in your honorable mention, is the Eagles. Love the Eagles. Uh, Eagles are American rock band from the from Los Angeles, California in 1971. Yep. Had Glenn Fry, Don Henley, Bernie Leadon, and Randy uh, Meisner, and Joe Walsh and Timothy Schmidt later joined. They later joined, yeah. Take it, e- take it easy, Desperado, Take It to the Limit, Hotel California, Life yeah. in the Fast Lane, great songs. A lot of them went off to have their own solo careers. Don Henley, definitely. Glenn yeah. Fry had his own solo. Joe Walsh had his own solo. Joe Walsh, a side note, he's actually from around here. Yes, he is. From Cleveland, Ohio, Well, right? he appeared for a long time on the Drew Carey Show. Okay, yeah. Uh, as a character on there. And, and actually, I think he played himself for a he while. He played himself, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just I love the Eagles. I got to see them in concert. They did a three-hour show by themselves, three encores, Nice. And they closed the show with my favorite Eagle song, Desperado. Desperado, yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite one. That means so. you. That's pretty weird. All right, you're number two. Number two, the Rolling Stones. Okay. I'm not a big Stones fan. I understand them. I, I respect love them. the Rolling Stones. I'm just not a big Stones fan. I, I don't know how you can't not be the Rolling Stones. Brian Jones, Ian Stewart, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Bill Wyman, and Charlie Watts. Yeah. Uh, the Rolling Stones are phenomenal. Yeah. I do have their... You cannot really... Name a bad Rolling Stone song. I I do have their Voodoo Lounge. That's uh, good CD. Which That's is, one of the which later, is, later. Yeah, stuff, it's yeah. still really good though. Yeah, it relates. It's relevant. Yeah. So uh, they actually did another um, greatest hits album not too long ago, maybe less than five six years ago. It's called Forty Licks or something like that. Okay. Where it's forty songs. I'll, I'll let you borrow it or something. Yeah. Every one of them is friggin' phenomenal. Okay. There's not a bad song on the fucking disc. Sweet. It's just awesome. What band has forty good songs? Not many. Not many. Not many. Oh my God! The Rolling um, Stones. Although my number two, I guarantee you, probably tops the Rolling Stones in number one songs ever released. What do you got? 
The Beatles. The Beatles. Love the Beatles. How could you not? You can't say nothing bad about the Beatles. Um, the Beatles were an English rock band from Liverpool. Everyone knows that. It yeah. started in 1960. The, from 1962, the group consisted of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. That's all you got to say. And I wanted to narrow it down to five songs that are my favorites by them. And it I was can't. so hard. I can't. I was able to do it, but it was so hard. No, I can't. Come Together. That's a great one. Yesterday. Which, that. Yesterday yeah. is a legendary song. I don't know if you know the story, but supposedly Paul McCartney woke up with the song in his head and wrote it out in 15 minutes. Elvis Presley covered that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I love that song. Um, hey Jude. Hey Jude. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, Let It Be. I love that one too. And with a little help from my friends. Love that. Yeah. Yellow Submarine. I, I, I yeah. love them all. Yeah, I started looking I'm like, shit, how am I going to nail these I down? I love them all. <laughs> yeah. So, Which is why... In my Beatles. life, I love them all. Yeah, in my life, I love, Yeah. Yeah. Which is why Beatles are the number one. Okay. They're my number one band. Okay. If you say, let's just listen to some uh, music of a band, let's just play the Beatles. Yeah. You can't go wrong. No, you can't. If you put the Beatles on a loop and just have it playing behind you, everyone's happy. It's a good party. I've got their two greatest hits album, which each one has two discs. Yeah. So there's four discs of greatest hits. I have so many Beatles CDs, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I bought the uh, anthologies when they yeah, came out. Yeah, I got the the white album. I got I, I, look, I got it all. Yeah. I took a history rock and roll course. We spent a whole week on the Beatles. You have to, and to spend a whole week on a course that's only lasting a quarter. Yeah. of the of the year, and it's a one week. It was just one band. It's just one band. All the other ones we spent like a day, maybe two days on the Beatles. Yeah. We, had, we had to spend a whole week, and we almost spent more than a week. You need more time. Yeah. Uh, my number one, another band that's been around for a while and is still rocking it. Genesis. No. No. Bon Jovi. I knew you were going to do it. I knew it. I love Bon Jovi. I love Bon Jovi. You put two 80s bands on there. You realize that, right? I don't care. I know. I'm just saying. (laughs) Bon Jovi's still rocking it. Oh, yeah. Lost Highway, The Circle. I got nothing bad to say about Bon Jovi. All the new stuff is awesome. That's what I'm saying. This was hard to do because I like so much music. Yeah. I like so many different... I I like rock and roll. I like country music. I like... I uh, you know I do too top yeah. forty I, I, like I like a wide variety yeah rhythm and blues I like R and B I like it all yep so uh, we all know Bon Jovi came from New Jersey right uh, they formed in 1983 consisted of uh, singer and namesake John Francis Bon Jovi yeah uh, which he changed it to John Bon Jovi and then guitarist Richie Sambora who gets all the chicks yes fucking. Keyboardist David Bryan, drummer Tico Torres. Tico Torres, yeah. As well as current bassist Hugh McDonald. Yeah. And, uh, and a side note, Richie Sambora gets more ass than a toilet seat. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous how much. Oh, yeah. John Bon Jovi's married, yeah. so he would get more ass right. than Richie Sambora. Right. But since he's married, he don't. Right. So Richie picks up the slack. And the thing I like with John Bon Jovi, he seems like just an everyday guy. Yeah, like you could just, he's very approachable, you can hang out with yeah. him and whatever, so. Um, some some of the songs I picked out of there, again, almost impossible, there's so How many. How could you pick out? Just I just had to narrow it down to my favorites. Yeah. Wanted Dead or Alive. Runaway. Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer. It's My Life, yeah, it's which is one. one of the newer ones. Yeah. Have a Nice Day, which is one of the newer yeah. ones. And Blaze of Glory. Wanted Dead or Alive. Well, I picked I picked Blaze of Glory because. And what's another one on that they, album? Uh, Slippery When Wet. That was oh, You Give Love a Bad Name. Yeah, that's another one. Bad Medicine. Bad Me- yeah, New Jersey album. Yeah, yeah that's such a great. Uh, Bed of Roses was great. That was kind of like, I like hokey ballad, but it doesn't like rock ba- as much. As I like the ballad. They're okay too. when you're you know cuddling up. I will day, tell you, Living on a Prayer. I watched this. I think it was on VH1. Living, Living on, on a prayer. prayer was ranked the number one rock ballad of all time. Living on a Prayer is is probably. One A to one a dead or alive. One B. 
Yeah. As far as their songs go. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. That's the top five bands of the Star Joes. All right, so now going into Discuss. our uh, solo artists. <laughs> All right, um, number five. Might take some heat on this one. Oh, I'm going to take a lot of heat on my number five. Michael Jackson. Okay. I love Michael Jackson. I I love the guy's music. I'm not going to say anything about his personal life or whatever. Sure. Man's dead. Uh, Michael Jackson is one of those artists that I didn't really... And again, I know he's dead, so I feel bad about saying this, but I didn't, didn't really appreciate care. him until I he was dead. I didn't really care about the guy, <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I liked his music. Same thing. I, I could give a rat's ass about the guy or what he did or what's going on, but I, honestly... Nobody wants to see kids hurt that way, but transcending that and just throwing that aside if you can. The music was phenomenal. Yeah. There's yeah. so many great songs. It's like with the bands. You know, there's yeah. so many great songs that he's done. It, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Love it. My number five, I guarantee I will get more heat for than you will for Michael Jackson. What is that? Elton John. Okay. Again, his personal life, I don't really care. The outfits he wears, I don't really care. But thinking about the music I heard growing up. Yeah. How do you deny him? Yeah, the the longevity of the career. Yeah, he was born Reginald Kenneth Dwight. He changed his name to Elton John. Right. And that was actually out of, uh, to pay homage to his first group that he was a part of, which was called Bluesology. There was saxophonist Elton Dean and Long John Baldry. So he changed his name to honor those guys. Um, but some of the songs, Rocket Man, Benny and the Jets. Yeah. Benny and the Jets always makes you feel good. Crocodile Rock. Uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Um, that song gives me the chills when I hear it. It's a good song. I guess what... Uh, that's I guess what, that's what they call it, the blues. blues. Yeah. That song cracks me up because I saw, I think it was uh, Tommy Davidson, the comedian. He said, he said the, that's what they call it, the blues. He's like, laughing like children, living like lovers. He goes, that's not the blues. Yeah. <laughs> the one, if you ever want, yeah. if you ever want your wife... To get romantic with your wife, yeah. play the song The One by Elton John. What's the one song that he did, the video with Robert Downey Jr. is like uh, doing the whole video? Oh, God, I can't even remember. I Want Love? Yeah, that might be That's a great song, yeah. too. Um, he did Candle in the Wind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah nothing bad to say about yeah. it. So. Uh, number four for me is one of your honorable mentions. I actually had Neil Diamond on my list. Oh, nice. As number four. Nice. So, all the reasons that you said, uh, yeah, singer-songwriter Neil Diamond. Yep. Sweet Caroline. I mean, fuck, I mean, it's Neil Diamond. Yeah. But it's not the light. Right. Uh, my number four, uh, Phil Collins. Yeah. I started laughing when you said Genesis. I almost, I, um, I was like, fuck, I like Phil Collins. Because his solo career is great. And then he did everything with Genesis, Genesis too. Genesis, like, great, yeah. But for me, it's hard to separate him as... What he did with Genesis as what he did with Solo. Yeah. And, uh, That's why I left him off. But uh, he was born uh, Philip David Charles Collins. Collins. And uh, he actually was part of Genesis as a backup uh, singer and, and the drummer and everything yeah. else. Who was he backup for? Do you remember that? The backup singer? For uh, for Genesis. Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I mean, I knew that, but it's like, there's another big name. Yeah. Solo artist that well, yeah, went well, off from well, Genesis. Peter Gabriel actually... Uh, left Genesis to do the solo show, yeah. and they were interviewing singers to replace him. And Phil Collins just like, "Hey, what, what if I just sing?" Yeah, because they couldn't find anybody, couldn't agree on anybody. Yep. So they're like, "Well, fine, whatever." And let's just sing it, and you just sing one. And they liked it. Absolutely. Now here's some Phil Collins so solo. They, they kept it. And they yeah. became a trio. Now here's some Phil Collins solo songs that I absolutely love. All you need is no jacket required, and you're done. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Yeah. Great song. Something Happened on the Way to Heaven. Yeah. Great song. That's all right. I Wish It Would Rain Down. Yeah. That's a phenomenal song. Yeah, that's a good one. Another Day in Paradise. Very emotional. That's okay. Dealt yeah. with homeless and all that type of stuff. Yeah, My personal all-time favorite song by Phil Collins, In the Air Tonight. 
Because you cannot help but do the drum motion at that one part in the song. It's the same thing that Mike Tyson did in the movie, The Hangover. Yes, yes. I love this part. Yeah, if you ever see Miami Vice, you know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. Number three for me is the chairman of the board himself, Frank Sinatra. Oh, nice. How can you not like Frank Sinatra? Yeah, yeah. Old blue eyes. Yeah, you can't. You have to like them. Yeah. It's it's like a requirement by law, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Frank Sinatra. Uh, obviously, the stuff he did solo. He had a great solo career. Did a lot of the Vegas shit. But that's a lot of people think he's a Vegas act, but he's not. No. Uh, he actually did a lot of that with you know Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. and the Rat right. Pack. Yeah, Peter Lawford and stuff like that. But you just go on and look at him. What he did, you know, he did it my way. Yeah, it's Frank Sinatra. Yep. I mean, come on. And actually, referring back to Bon Jovi. And uh, it's retrospect. Yeah, he did a retrospect to that yeah. song. I did it my way. Yeah, and he's uh, he actually refers to Frank Sinatra in that right. song. My number three, Tom Petty. Okay, Thomas Earl Petty. Well, see, he's kind of like a band, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. But... Yeah, but you know what? The Heartbreakers aren't going to really be around without Tom Petty. True, it is. I mean, and I thought about that. <laughs> but here's the other thing that just blows my mind. Yeah, is the group that he was a part of, the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah. Did you? Re- I, I even, thought about putting that group together. I, I know who's in that band. I didn't even think about who was in that band. George Harrison, Roy Orbison, <clears throat> and Bob Dylan. Uh, Bob Dylan, and there's another one, uh, Jeff um, Lynn, or Lynch. Jeff Lynn, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my freaking god! Every one of those people in that band is huge. Yeah, huge. Absolutely. The only reason that band quit doing music because Roy Orbison died. Oh yeah. Now here's uh, some of my favorite Tom Petty songs. Tom Petty was like number four or five in the pecking order of that <laughs> band. Running down a dream. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, into the great wide open. I love it. Free falling. Free balling. Love it. Uh, I won't back down. Won't back down. Yeah. And my favorite song of Tom Petty's, American Girl. That's a good one. Yeah. I love that song. Last Dance with Mary Jane's a good one. That's a great one yeah. too. Yeah. I like Tom Petty. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I can't say nothing bad so far yeah. about any of your picks. I yeah. like them all. Uh, number two for me is actually um, first time I believe we had a female on the list here. Wow. Madonna. Okay. Another one of those ones where I like her music and really care about her so much. I'd bang her. <laughs> just to say I've been there. Because you could say, hey, you know, I slept with Madonna. Right. Really? Awesome, because everybody thinks about the young Madonna. It's like, right. you don't want to think about, did you sleep with a 60-year-old Madonna? But do they also think, yeah, who didn't? <laughs> that could be the next thing out of your mind. Well, yeah, everybody did. did right. When did, when did you not? But yeah, Material Girl. Yeah. You know, all, I mean. Like a virgin. virgin. And then the new stuff that's coming out now is really good. Yeah. She's incorporated. She's transcended. She's yeah. reinvented herself Vogue, many times. Yeah. Like, a, like a Prayer. Any chick that's fucking got a sex up book like that, yeah. I'll just. Like a Prayer that. was played at my wedding reception. Like a Prayer, yeah. Uh, because my wife's college buddies, that was their song to play together, so they all got out there and were dancing to Like a Prayer. It was yeah. a good time. Um, that actually, I think Pepsi was sponsoring a commercial with that in it and actually pulled the ad. Yeah. Because the video showed some cross burnings and stuff yeah. like that. So, very controversial figure, but loved the music. And oh, I mean, yeah. Anything that she puts out is pretty much good. Yep. Lucky Star, even the beginning stuff. Yep. It's still good. My number two. Uh, you've already Movies are not so much, but Desperately yeah. Seeking Susan and Avita and League of Their Own. Yeah. To be League designed. of Their Own's good. Because it's not because of that. No. But, but uh, what's... Tom Hanks and uh, Gina, Gina Davis. Davis. That's yeah. what makes it good, yeah. It's not Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell. No. Fucking but they play good characters. Yeah, whatever. Um, my number two. You've already mentioned them. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, yeah. King of Pop. What can I say? Well, he, self-proclaimed king of pop. He was the king of pop, dude. 
He had the title self-proclaimed king of pop. I don't care. To me, he was the king of pop. To me, he was a self-proclaimed um, His solo career started in 1971. And just to mention a few of the songs, uh, Thriller, Billie Jean, the girl, oh, yeah. is, the girl is Mine, Man in the Mirror, yeah. and my personal favorite Michael Jackson song, Smooth Criminal. Smooth Criminal. I, I love, love that one. I love Smooth Criminal. Annie, are you okay? Yeah. I liked, uh, actually, like, Dangerous, uh, yeah. Bad, Beat It, and, and the other ones that you mentioned. Thriller. Yep. Fucking Thriller, man. Vincent oh, Price. Thriller scared the hell out of me as a kid. Yes. Thank you, God. Yes. I'm and it was right. Vincent Price's it was voice. Vincent Price. It wasn't the, anything no. else. It was him. It was his voice. It was Vincent Price that scared me. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'm not either. Uh, all right. <laughs> number one number one. Elvis. I knew it would be. That's all you got to say. I knew it would be. Elvis Aaron Presley. Number one, the king of rock yeah. and roll. Not the self-proclaimed He's got king. some of my favorite songs. I mean, he, he has to. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows what Elvis sang, what I did, all the movies, all the right. crap that he did. One little tribi- trivial piece of knowledge here uh, you might not know is about uh, Grammys. Okay. The only Grammy that Elvis won was actually for gospel music. Okay. Wow. And you think of all the songs that he put out and all the hits. Yeah. He doesn't have a Grammy for that. Jailhouse Rock. And yeah. No Grammys for any of that rock yeah. and roll stuff. Loose Way Shoes. Gospel music. <laughs> yeah. You want a Grammy for wow. gospel music. Well, my number one probably doesn't surprise you because I think I mentioned them before. Graceland? No. Elvis? <laughs> Billy Joel. Billy Joel, yeah. Billy Joel is my favorite solo artist. And the reason why I wanted to do the solo artists after doing the bands was because Billy Joel, upon seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan's show, decided to pursue full-time music career. Yeah. So he was, was inspired by the Beatles. Who was um, in that, that yeah. time, and if they were alive at that time and saw... The Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And he started Same with Elvis Presley. He was on Ed Sullivan, too. Billy Joel started when he was 16 years old. Yeah. He got a few gigs and everything else. I think he actually quit school. Yeah. And then his first uh, solo release was in 1971. What can I say? Here's some of the great songs. Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, Just the Way You Are, Good Night Saigon. It's a phenomenal song. Uh, not a lot of people might yeah, not know I, that I, song I like that well, that. but that's a very moving song. That's a good one. It's still rock and roll to me. That's a good one. I like that one. I will tell you right now, again, if you want to get romantic with your wife playing just the way you are, yeah, that's she, a will, good one. she will melt in yeah. your arms. That piano uh, man. Well, I was just going to say, my all-time, my all-time favorite yeah. Billy Joel song will always be Piano Man. Me too, yeah. It's a phenomenal yeah. song, and yeah. no one can do it as well as he's done it. No. Uh, honorable mention, just for the solo artist, I, I did have Springsteen down. Okay, nice. I was toying with him, but... Um, I thought of Mellencamp a little bit. John Cougar Mellencamp, yeah. yeah. It's um, good. Kind of same same vein as yeah, uh, Springsteen was, so... Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought you'd give me a little bit of shit for Elton John or Poison. You did give me a little bit for Poison, but... Poison, ah. But, uh... There's so I, many other bands out there, but, but I, I like Poison. Yeah, I expect... I just wouldn't put him in the top five. I lot. expect people to pick on me for Elton John, but you just can't... I like Elton John. You just can't deny his music, uh, no. Move On, all that type stuff, but... Yeah. But, yeah, the top ones for me... Shall be a good man. Yeah. The top ones for me, Billy Joel and Bon Jovi. And a, a lot so. of this goes back to another, a lot of older bands and a lot of newer music that we didn't include or listen to yeah. as much as the older stuff, but... We grew up with this. Yeah. This is what was played in our house by our parents. Yeah, so exactly. We kind of heard it a lot, and we kind of grew right. up liking it, and that's how it was. Now, the next challenge that I've thrown out for Chuck when it comes to music is Jesus. he has to come up with the top five favorite songs of all time. I can't. You have to. There's so many. There are. But you have to, so many. You have to try. It doesn't have to be for the next episode. Just yeah. at some point in the near future, we need to cover that. Good so. Lord. 
All right, so we're going to close the show. Yeah, um, we kind of went long on this one. Yeah. Sorry about that, but I hope I, you enjoyed. I don't think they mind. No, no. Um, so we're going to have to stop this shit anytime you want to. Yeah, it. give our information out. Uh, you can find us at uh, starjoes.com. You can find us on the comicforums.com. You can also find the link to the comic forums on starjoes.com. Yeah, Facebook. Facebook, you can find us. Just look up Starjoes. We're still having people join up the Star with the Starjoes profile. Find the fan site. The fan yeah, site's fan where site. everything is. That's where the information's at. Um, and then find us at Twitter. Find us at uh, iTunes. iTunes. You can find us there. Uh, email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close the show by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, guys. Later, guys. Now I know. And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe!